To Be Continued is an adult podcast for adults by adults. We may talk about superheroes, sci-fi, comic books, and all sorts of similar crap like that, but we may use adult and frank language when we do so. This is not a podcast for kids, brothers and sisters. Enjoy. And welcome back to To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast covering your fanboy passions. You're not going to learn anything, but if you stick around, you just might have some fun. Here we are, in the beautiful Pancake Studios. I'm Miguel Alejandro Velez. I'm Edward Ng. And I'm Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here to cover your fanboy passions. Uh, we are back once again to take a wild ride into the world of science fiction comic I'm just books. Jump in, and uh, what? Okay, lots well, happened. Lots happened. Well, oh, jeez, no. Uh, that's behind the scenes stuff. But you just want to, you just want to <laughs> do that. Hey, man, let's just talk about what we were doing twenty minutes ago. Man. I know. I just, I wanted to congratulate the Grammy, the uh, the Oscar winners. That's all. From Black how, Panther, yeah. From Black Panther, to, was, was that uh, like two weeks ago? To Spider Verse, that was two two weeks ago. There you go. That's just people, I know you don't. You know, people have moved on. You never want to get into the behind the scenes stuff because <laughs> your argument is <laughs> if we put the stuff out, all the stuff would be. I you know. I don't think anyone finds any what we're talking about interesting right now. <laughs> if you are not any man, I'd kill I you where you would kill stand. you where you stand because. You know, we're, you know, if we were on a Klingon ship, Ed, I would have to have killed you and Jonathan before we started recording you for the try. podcast. You can try. <laughs> this is, this is how, it, this is how, it, you know, the rank of command. You challenged me and now I must use my, my <laughs> Pacqua dagger. Well, what's to... going to happen is this. Uh, you're going to get killed. Right. Okay. Right. And Jonathan's going to go, hail Klingon chief and I'm like no I'm going to take off this jacket you know and then I'm going to put it on Jonathan I'm Jonathan instead as the because Jonathan's power Kayla says that power is thrusted upon the arms so you're saying that Jonathan is TBC's Gowron uh, just go with it or, or Martok just, or, or Martok. Martok I mean Martok. which either which either man it's cool <laughs> now people may be wondering why we're talking so much about Trek here at the beginning and that is because this episode will be a sort of double review uh, of uh, two things uh, of recent somewhat recent it's because we got to talk about why we're, we're going into Star Trek Discovery yeah. which is one of the properties we'll be talking about yeah. But uh, before that, we'll be talking about Alita Battle Angel, which was uh, released earlier. And um, I saw it. I forced Ed to see it. But then, but then, here's the thing. Um, Ed's been trying to get me to see Star Trek Discovery since it has, uh, since it started. And Star Trek Discovery is, of course, going into the, it's going to be ending its second season because it's on a mid-season break. And it has been renewed for a third season. And this is mm. a show that's been, uh, you know, somewhat controversial out there for a while. But I and have also not. accessibility. Yeah, uh, I have not limited. bothered to mm. uh, get to see it. Finally have. Mm -hmm. and Through other means. <laughs> you should not. No, don't, give me don't give me faces. <laughs> I'm giving you faces I'm because you specifically I was told able me. To, I was able to help you. 
to, no, to gain access. No, no, to now, now I'm miffed. Now I'm miffed because we specific. You had a specific. Oh, no, 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 no. A your, specific. Your outrage is all manufactured. Right you now, you were all like, your outrage let's, is let's manufactured. Just not, don't anyway. Don't, don't the talk, origin of how don't we talk got into about the show, how you saw it, Miguel. Because we did you or did you not say? Don't talk about how you saw it. I you did. said that. And I was willing to just go with it and not say a damn thing. But now it's like, like we Mark saw of the through. true performer. Yeah, I, I was gone for one. <laughs> <laughs> and he shrilled his throats. Okay, look. This is okay. a Klingon ship. This show was never planned. This show came about because, and it's not like you know, like uh, a little battle angel. I had no intentions of watching. Right. I, neither did I until right. I heard the the good word of mouth about it. Now, for me, and I and <laughs> which, I was still very reluctant work. up to the very up to the very point because um, and I have to really point out my cousin Jason. I have a I have an old I have a cousin Jason. He's uh, a little a lot older than I am, but I have to say that if not for my cousin, I would not be the fanboy that I am today. I mean, at a really young age, um, he was. He was way past his teens, and he had a. This is back in the days when I was living in Jersey. He had the post, the old-fashioned Star Wars poster, hanging in his bedroom. And every time I was over there, I saw it, and I go, I, I saw it, and I and I and uh, as way back before I can remember, that was my entry into science fiction and the genre and everything like that. Oh, and also, this was the same cousin who would hook up our family. Oh, with with, with the HBO box, right? So there's, however, the there's a butt coming here. There's no butt. <laughs> um, going into this, so basically, what I saw was also in his house. So um, again, back in the day, if you if you had HBO, um, Airplane was on repeat every like every other day. Star Wars is what was on repeat every other day. So um, Airplane Two was just one of those movies that uh at a really young age i remember went like oh this is weird you're why is shatner titties. here why is shatner here why is, why is shatner here why is shatner here? there's nudity and i stuff do like feel that. i knew i do know that there's a butt though okay <laughs> so um recently we we had a we had a, 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 a we had a gathering um family death in the family you know got together um, we all got together at a funeral and he's sitting next to me, my cousin Jason, and he says, uh, hey, Eddie, you know, um, you should, have you seen Alita Battle Angel? And I'm like, no, I, I have zero interest in watching. Oh, you should really watch it. And he's, again, not only is he of a, of a different generation, but he's, um, I think culturally, there's a bit of a divide. He's from the old country. Literally, he's from the old country. And I think this the- This is more of a taste thing as you've described it, because you've yeah. said that he- he thoroughly enjoys sort of the mindless big blockbuster. But he likes a, he likes he likes a bunch of things. Right. Let's just but say that. he is the guy that will tell you, "Hey, I like that Transformers movie," or "Hey, I liked you know what again." Never, never of, in those words. But I, and I'm sorry, my sorry, Jason. Jason. Jay, if you're out you there, know, if you're out there, uh, I know you like the really good stuff. But at the same time, sometimes your you know, sometimes your recommendations are not your, up your there. Your recommend recommendations are turkeys and Alita Battle Angel, and this is what something we're going to get into. We're going to is, sort is of that an hazard. absolute turkey. Okay. And I'm absolute. going into this like He's going to say absolute, but this is a, it's not absolute. Uh, <laughs> now, this is the thing. 
I also was, that was the thing. Uh, uh, it, I'm not a fan of the manga or the anime that it's based on. I didn't have any knowledge of what it was other than outside the trailers and that Jim Cameron had been trying to make this film and Robert Rodriguez ha- was directing it. So I said, hey, um, maybe I'll give it a shot. But it kind of slipped through the cracks, kind of similar to what Spider-Verse did, uh, where it was like it got released and was out for a while and then slowly built a kind of word of mouth. Well, the truth is Alita Battle Angel has built this word of mouth. And a lot of people saying, oh, you got to see you've got to see this movie. It's worth your time. So on a because that's going on, I said, you know, I should see it in theaters before it gets out. So I decided to see it. Now, I saw it. I gave you my review. I liked it. It's like an anime, right? It's based on an anime manga, yeah. But, a- and but it looks like that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that, Jonathan. We'll get to that. I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the thing is, I, John, I told our buddy Edward here about its pleasures, but I gave him gigantic caveats. I said. Yeah, there's really good stuff in this movie. Overall, I liked it. I came away enjoying it for what it was. But here is problem A, here is problem B, here is problem C, and on and on. So don't make it, Ed, like I, I was like, hey, man. You tripped me? No, I never you got did. It. You got to see this film. You, you no, got no, no, it's I the never greatest did. thing since sliced bread. But I, like, you went into it, and I'm like, oh, okay, so... I feel like I, I f- kind of felt a little obligated to maybe balance out like how the Any opinions positive are. vibes and, you know, I, I, mean, I don't. I feel like you weren't really, and you know, you weren't selling it that hard to me. Uh, nor were you like, no, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. But your your but your text back response was, and I quote: "This was a shit sandwich." And I stand by it. It's because I'm sorry. This thing is. Hey man, I'm so, sorry. I stand by so, that shit sandwich. Uh, how are we gonna? How, how do you want to get into this? Uh we'll just get, like uh, I you said. Know we'll I, get into I mean, this. I'm actually kind of excited that we're gonna. We're gonna have get this into discussion. it. We're gonna get into it. And for those, it will be a total spoiler review discussion. And when we finish a Battle Angel, we will go into uh, Star Trek Discovery, which is the reverse of the Battle Angel thing. Where Star it, Trek <laughs> Discovery, <laughs> it's not quite Martin the old Green. show. Uh, and where it was the same thing where you kept saying, you've got to see this, you've got to see this, you've got to see this. And I kept going, I'm not paying mm, for the CBS All yeah. Access. I'm not going to check that out. We'll finally get around to doing that. And so, um, yeah, that's going to be what our episode is about today. So let's start with the Alita Battle Angel issue at uh, uh, the issue at hand. Now, Alita Battle Angel is based on a manga from Japan that was also an OVA uh, anime from the, 90s. Uh, the yeah from the late eighties, early nineties. Jim Cameron, James Cameron himself, sewed up the rights to uh, uh, it was called Gun M over there, and he sewed up the rights to it in a way that's like unprecedented for an anime property. This wasn't just a, oh, we want the distribute. He sewed it up completely. <laughs> and a lot of people, the last anime was done in like 1995. And a lot of people are like, well, why haven't there ever been into the sequels? Why weren't there just, and it's literally because James Cameron was planning on doing this movie. He planned on directing it for a very 
very and he ended long up, time. And he ended up handing it over to wow. Robert Rodriguez. Yes. So from '95 until you know the the, the the you know here we are in the second decade of uh, uh, the 21st century. That's how long it took him mm. to bring. And he's a very he's a very long game kind of a guy. It's Jim and Cameron, this, and man. that's a that's a, a a part of how I feel the way I feel. And then we'll, I'll explain that later, you know, but, um, uh, it's, it stars, uh, some big names. Oh yeah. Huge he got, he, names. Got, he, uh, Cameron and, uh, and Rodriguez got a lot of people uh, on board this cast. You got Jack girl, Haley, Christopher Waltz, uh, uh, Marshala Ali, Jennifer Connelly. Um, a lot, there are, un, these are, these there are, are, these are Oscar yes, caliber these are great, this actors. Is a big, yeah. And he even has a lot of unannounced uh, guest stars in this movie that are not announced. Mm-hmm. Ed Norton, Jeff Fahey, you know, it's, it's. And they, they're not, and these aren't the lead characters. They're just there. They're in the background. These guys. I wouldn't say Christoph Waltz. No, no, no. Is, he's a, so, a, he's it, a supporting character. I wouldn't say he's not. Uh, yeah, because uh, it, because, because uh, he has essentially, uh, the star of the film, which is a discovery. Uh, her name is Rosa, uh, Rosa Salazar. Salazar. And she uh, stars as the titular Alita in this film, and it's it's a based on an anime manga. It's filled with action. It's a sci-fi story based in a future. Now, as I said, I there are things in this movie overall that are honestly amazing on uh, a production values, a special effects level. It's good, and the other thing is its star. Rosa Salazar in this film is a revelation. And I'm not saying that just because I'm an old man perving over a young girl. That's not even, I don't even think of her in a sexual way because I don't think the film does. It's her performance. She gets, she does exactly what an actress in this sort of role does. She wraps you around her finger. You are on this character's side. You like her. You like what she does. You like what she stands for. You like, you want her to be happy. It's all these sort of things where it's everything a performance should be. Am I saying this? she's the next Meryl Streep? No, I'm not saying she's the next Meryl Streep. But for the purposes of this, it works. And under um, circumstances that for an actress could be very difficult and because, she's uh, she's uh, because we have a lot of uh, CG mm-hmm. going on there. Uh, and, uh, John, let me give you just an idea. When you said the whole anime thing, she's the only character that has the anime eye thing, which, you know, that was a aesthetic choice on the, on the part of Cameron and Rodriguez that did not win over a lot of people in the early trailers, but she makes it work. You, you buy it the second, once, once it starts up and she's doing the CG is not just those eyes, John, like she did this in role in it's entirely in a mocap suit. And I mean, like. Every single cl- piece of clothing, her shoes, it's all CG and it's rather seamless. So on that end, it's a, it's an accomplishment. I, I, I think that, um, I, I completely agree with you. She is, if not the strongest aspect of this <laughs> movie and, uh, Rodriguez who tends to, she's she's latina so mm-hmm. uh who and rodriguez being who he is he tends to to, to hire um, he likes to give people he likes to give people yeah. opportunity so um uh rosa salazar is um she's of she's no stranger to the ya the young adult uh, genre 
apparently, and I just found this out literally uh, that she was in the Insurgent movie, yes, which yes. I completely hated. Um, but <laughs> not her fault. Not her fault. Um, and if you look at Ro- someone like Rosa, she's she's not the most um, flashy of of uh, actors from from on the surface. But when you look at her performance, you do buy it. Mm. You do buy everything that she is. Um, and she's just not, kidding. She's not grating. She's nope, not, not at all. You, like I said, she wraps you around her finger in this film, mm. and for the most part, and, it does, and it's not you, in the way that 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 hijacks your feelings or anything like that. No, no, right? yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, I, there's a little bit of of yeah. There's as my mom says about like my mom always had this thing where she used to talk about like good looking actors. Mm that she didn't have sexual feelings for, that she wasn't like, oh, I'm attracted to them on that level. It was more like, she always used to say, I like that guy. You know, on what way, mom? I don't know. I just, I want to take him home and cook him a nice meal. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. You feel, despite the fact that she is a uh, unstoppable battle machine Mm -hmm. in this movie, you you feel protective of her as a character. She connects with you on that level. Now, um, uh, just quickly, uh, we'll, we'll get into it. Like, what is she? She's a, well, the plot breakdown is this, the plot breakdown is this is a dystopian future mm-hmm. in which we are dealing with the remnants of planet earth that has lived through some kind of war. They tease out the nature of that through the, through the film. But at some point in the future, there were all these floating cities on planet earth a war happened. All of the cities fell in one night. Only one has been left over. This is a city called Zalem. And uh, below it is essentially the dregs of humanity that have survived this uh, this war. And there's a symbiotic relationship between the last floating city and everyone on, on the ground. And everyone on the ground comes from all over. So it's a mishmash of cultures, you know, Asian, And, and you Hispanic, do not, whatever. aside from the fact that there's this floating city, you do not, we do not get a presence or someone who's, who descends on. We, we don't see anyone uh, from there except for that... One well, there are three characters, the technically speaking, actually. Okay, three characters. We, we do have to get three characters, right. but we don't see what life in this floating city is. Mm-hmm. They tend to take from the people below, you know, uh, I, I, they, they talked about farms and farming and supplies and other things. And then they just kind of just drump, drop their, their, their trash. Mm-hmm. Down yeah, yeah, on. yeah. And that is the beginning of our story. Um, Christoph Waltz plays a, a character, Dr. Ido who does, uh, he's a doctor of cybernetic enhancements and general medical practitioner in this world. He's searching through the garbage, you know, of the upper city and he finds uh, pretty much just the head and upper body, uh, you know, not even arms, not even legs of a cybernetic female. And he brings it in and he attaches it to a cybernetic body because this is a world where a cybernetic enhancement is commonplace, right? And he reactivates her and lo and behold, she wakes up and she's this young girl. Now the body that he's using is a body that he created for his daughter. We eventually learn who had died, um, in a, you know, under tragic circumstances, her name was Alita. He gives this cybernetic girl, the name Alita. Now Alita wakes up and she has no memory of who she was, but she has 
her own personality immediately, which is an int- which is a challenge for an actress because it's like, well, she doesn't have memory, but she has a fully formed personality. Yeah, she and and already the um, the questions like you they, they just come out and it was like, oh, who is she? How does she have these memories? Uh, she's a she's a plucky teenage te- teenager. Right. And she's very excited about everything. Is everything new. around her, yeah. Everything yeah. is new. She's she's and already learned. you see the relationship um, that forms between and the bond between her and, and Idol. Yes. It's a very father daughter relationship. Is she doing this to make up for something that was lost? Um, uh, a dead daughter, daughter perhaps. You know, and well, what um, we yeah, what we learn is that Waltz is had been married, and Waltz had been from the city. He had been from the floating city up above. He and his wife uh, left there. We don't know the precise reasons why, but they're not allowed back in. Um, people dream of going back to that city. That's one of the 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 the, the, the themes of the of the of the movie is that everyone is trying to get into the floating city out of the garbage and you know the squalor that's below. Uh, he's a doctor. Connolly also uh, a scientist of some kind. And she's surprised to learn that Ido, Christoph Waltz's character, has used the body that they had created for their daughter to give to this this girl. And Waltz takes her around. We get sort of a tour of what this world is and how, you know, how it works. And this is where we get to the first big problem of this film. And that is that in going around the city, she meets the romantic male interest for Alita and that is uh played by uh the character the, the character the is named by the character is named Hugo and the actor is Kean Johnson and there is a bit of a trope um a newly identified trope it's called born sexy yesterday <laughs> All right. Wait, that's a that's an actual. Trope. This is a new trope. This is a new identified trope. It's called "Born Sexy Yesterday," and it's a common trope in a lot of sci-fi and fantasy films. And the basic idea is that you have some sort of otherworldly female character, right? Okay, no, I, I know we turn on. All right, yeah. and this character is empowered in some way or wise beyond her ken in some ways she comes from another non-mundane world but she comes into the life of some average guy all right and turns his world upside down and she's just totally and completely head over heels for this dude um she thinks he's the most amazing man in the world because she's the first man that she's ever met and through no effort on his part does he become the object of her affection and love it is the essence of immature male fantasy okay it is i don't have to do anything i'm just an average dude and in being average that's my specialist to this woman who has no concept of the way the world is i'm not saying alita is that but it comes damned close and on a narrative level it also has the issue of the fact that, frankly, Kean Johnson is not a good actor. He is he is very, very poorly cast in this film. This is uh, an issue, uh, like I said, that the Wonder Woman movie had to thread. Right? You have you have a female lead character who is amazing and everything, but you don't want 
what Chris Pine's character be has a th- he's got a needle to thread. He can't be he can't overshadow your female lead. But at the same time, he can't be presented in a way where he's so pathetic that you go, why is she interested in him anyway? He, this film, what Chris Pine does is perfect in the Wonder Woman movie. He threads that needle. He's great. And he's a good actor and a great screen presence. He has a charisma. Johnson in this film is just a hunk of beef, a boring, bland hunk of beef. He's just... Captain Ads Abs McHairdo. You know what I mean? That's the only reason that you could see. Uh, there's no like, it's one-sided. Salazar sells you on her emotions and everything else and her naivete of how the world is. There is literally, John, there's literally a scene where she takes out her nuclear-powered heart and gives it to him. Because her, we, as we learn through the film eventually, is that the reason Earth is the way it is is because... There was some kind of conflict between Earth and what they refer to as ERM. But are we are the we, United Republics of Mars? But are are, are we is is that the entry our, our entry into why the movie doesn't work? I'm uh, let me get I'm getting you to know? it. I'm getting to it. So essentially, sh- the she we find out is a piece of older technology, more advanced technology than anything on the world in in the world. And she even eventually gets a replacement for the body that Ido makes her and gets the body that she was supposed to have, which is a berserker warrior cyborg body, an indestructible body, right? Uh, She gets involved in uh, uh, various little subplots and things that that are all about trying to get back to the, the, the discovery of her past and... How do we get to how do we get to the floating city, which is something her love interest Hugo is obsessed with. Uh, he he too wants to leave the surface and go into you know in, into the heavens, and uh, we find out that Ido, her benefactor slash mentor father, uh, is in fact a what we call what is known in their world as a hunter warrior, a bounty hunter who uh, is part of a group of characters who are all these cybernetically enhanced cool badasses who hunt down renegade cyborgs and, you know, they're sort of the heroes of this world. She decides she wants to become one. She also decides that she wants to become a champion in motorball, which is the sport of their world. And yada, yada. And you can already see they're packing a lot into this movie. Too much. We've got a relationship thing, which eats up a lot of, you know, oxygen. We've got this inelegantly threaded portion of, oh, wh- how did Alita end up on in, in this place in the first place? What's the history? We've got the hunter-warrior thing. We've got a subplot about uh, Ido's character, uh, Christoph Waltz, and Jennifer Connelly, and Marisha Ali. And I, as Ed is squirming well, well, look, here well, to get yeah, to this point, yeah, that right. it feels and, really overstuffed. Well, it feels what really underdeveloped. Already, what you've already given us is Doesn't sound a coherent. very big world, a very ambitious mm-hmm. um, view that both Rodriguez, by way of and Cameron, Cameron yeah. um, they want to give you something really big. And you know what? Like, I would have to admit that the concepts are are um you know they, they they had something and they just like i again i'll use like you said it that i said it it is a shit sandwich and what do i mean about that um they take 
something and i love it whenever you have directors um you know creative people and they go i'm going to take something that's classic okay what do you have here you have uh um a very uh, older wizened character like geppetto who wants to bring Get uh, get uh, on that casting Disney. Get on that right. casting. Right, so, you know, but Christoph like, Waltz as Geppetto in your live action remake of Pinocchio. Well, I think it's already been casted, but whatever the case <laughs> is, you know, here you you have Cameron Rodriguez. They're taking the concepts of Pinocchio, Aladdin. Um, yeah, let's add in um, the uh, add in because it's a YA movie. It's got to be um, Twilight. It's got to be Insurgent. It's got to be Hunger Games. It's got to have. Star Wars into it. It's got to have. I would cut out all that young adult stuff. The only similarity. But you know, it follows the only, along. No, the only similarity is the love interest thing. That's yeah, the only thing. Other you than that, it's not really that because it, it because it does follow in that format where you where the protagonist happens to be a uh, in the form of a of a of a young teenager. Um, not so much as that she's a female, but that this movie was designed really for. For kids, for 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 teens, um, for a younger audience, um, but of course the the uh, you know what and the violence sort of skirts away from, barely skirts away from the goriness of it, you know, because there is a scene where, you know what, my boyfriend died. The only way that I'm going to save him is I'm going to cut his head off. I told you it was ridiculous, and I'm going to cut his head off and and just sort of wire it into my heart. In order keep to keep his him alive. brain alive, and I gotta yeah, bring yeah, him yeah. to dad before he dies, Dude, so that he can get a new body. A do, you, body. Do, you, do you? I mean, already this that sounds very this insane. This is insane. It's insane. Now, um, again, it's a really it, the concept of if you were just making something that's that's an allegory, like a super technological allegory to, to Pinocchio, I'm all in for it. But again, because you're just throwing in a bunch of elements and. There's a lot of, and to me, these are the movies. It's 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 very much representative of something that's just all flash and very little substance. Um, but that's just besides one thing. I mean, I, I, are we getting into objections because I'm already like in the thick of no, it? I think we've both been going into objections. Right. So, so. Um, here's another really uh, very larger aspect why to me the movie failed. It's it's one big setup for. Yeah, movies that, that is are a gigantic come. issue in this film. Um, you know, you, here you have a Death Star that's literally floating above the city. Here we are, in a, we're an underclass. We got to find some way to to get up there, and they don't even get there whatsoever. Um, I understand that uh, in the underpinnings of society, there will always be um, the idea of Olympic Games. Or just a, spect- a spectacle for people to watch because that's just how society. Per- so there's um, a bread and circus aspect. That's the that's the. That, you know, I love the fact that you brought in bread and circus. Like, yeah, I don't understand, Miguel. Why? What's the th- what's the deal with 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 murder ball? And you said <laughs> bread and circus. I love it. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. They they admit <laughs> as part, in, in part of the film. There's this admittance that, you know. Look, even the hunter warriors and this sort of aspect are just a thing that have been manipulated by the powers that be <laughs> to, you know, to distract the people. Right. Right. You know, so to give them heroes and yeah. so on and so forth. And Alita, uh, we also learned that that's one of the only ways anyone ever gets to 
Zalem to the floating city is when people win, become a champion at this sport, mm. right? right? Okay. And I'm, but, it, and but I'm, it's so, it's done so, Ed, it's you're executed right. so poorly. It's like, you're right. Hey man, hey Alita. Hey, this is my friend Alita. You know, <laughs> like, uh, have you ever played, well, what do they call it? It's this, called motorball. Mo- mo- motorball. It's motorball, right? but I was, I'm I joking. Call it I call it murderball. Right? <laughs> All right. It's like, so yeah, have you ever done this, Alita? I and mean, of course, because she's a military cyborg. She's thing. a military grade robot. <laughs> she can. She, this is fine. She's she excels at it. And then when she gets her, hey, her body later on, it's your girlfriend's so. pretty good. She's not my girlfriend, man. <laughs> this is a literal line. This is how bad the writing is at some points in the film. And I even said those scenes, by the way, uh, not the the motorball, the big mur- motor motorball scene at but the they end. Sort of the, but the one the, where they... The amateur... The amateur the hour, play. right? Yeah, yeah. It, I, it comes off to me as something that um, back in the day, um, there was something called the the action pack on on WPIX. Uh, what, what was it? That? Universal's, the Universal's action, pack, action pack. Which included such things as Hercules. Knight Rider 2025. Hercules. Indeed. Cleopatra 2025 <laughs> or something. Uh, Hercules, uh, you know, the original Krevin Sorbo Hercules things. In other words, uh, TV shows, genre TV shows that had a budget. Yeah, yeah. but were not greatly but, budgeted. They, right, they weren't you know, really good. And that's what it very much reminded me of is that they poured money into the sets and the, and the, and the CGI for a lot of the scenes. And that I'm was like, a pretty, but see, I would disagree that in terms of that wasn't a terribly executed scene from the, the, from filming or what it looked like. It's just like you said, it was this cliche, like, Oh, here's the future in this world. And a what made is up there? Sport see, and, and here's the thing. There was nothing effective about, because I know that if, in, a, in a narrative s- scheme of things, you have to present to the audience, this is what society, um, um, this is their game, right? Okay. This is what they use. This is what they play. And this is their entry into something else, right? Um, I want to make the comparison like on, um, on uh, not Serenity, but, um, but uh, uh, um, Nate and uh, Captain Reynolds. Firefly. Yeah. Firefly. Um, they had a game. It was sort of like a makeshift basketball game with no just, rules. No rules. It's just like I'm going to take the ball. I've got to like. Get okay, to, but what you're so what I'm you're saying, saying it's like it's yeah. It was just sort of poorly executed. Be- a lot of cop outs. It sounds like. Mm, no, well, again, uh, again, here's the thing. The idea is that you're you know before we continue about Murball is that it's overstuffed, and things are inelegantly threaded through it. Throughout the story we get is, oh, well, first she wants to be a hunter-killer, a hunter-warrior like um, Ido. We learn that he's got a jet hammer that he can use <laughs> and he hunts down, you know, you know, uh, renegade cybernet- cyborg criminals. Alita, you're really hot, <laughs> but I didn't realize that you're a, a, mur- a, a murderous, like robot killing machine well what yeah what we learn is that she is the last like i said last of the berserker cyborgs at, that were sent on some mission to take out a character called nova whom we never see until the absolute end of the film who is sort of the ultimate villain who'd been has been pulling the threads on this and i and i like that like i like the idea that um and if in it, society it would have been fine right had it been threaded through more but it, things that here are the problems I have with the movie. In the problems, number one is the fact that the love interest doesn't work and it sucks up all the oxygen. Okay, 
Problem number two is that they inelegantly thread the franchise material. In other words, the things that are that are supposed to be saved that you're not supposed to get the full information on until the sequel, right? Hey, can we just fo- uh, um, the, about the relationship? Okay. okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Hugo is Aladdin. He's a street he's rat a, character. He's a science fiction. He's a, here's this movie. He's sci-fi Aladdin, Aladdin right? Street uh, rat. I'm gonna I'm gonna escape this this hellhole here. Right. Yeah. You know, there's and, a beautiful world up there, Alita. If you, we could just go, if we had a flying carpet. I forget. Did he out. have a? Did he have a like a? I'm running away from the authority sequence. Uh no, like but scene. he was a criminal, and we learned that oh, he's working. For we, we learned Marshall that he's working for Ali, and he's uh he's uh jacking cyborg parts. <laughs> he's literally like they're carjacking cyborgs, and like you know carving th- their their parts out to be used in uh, for other things, mostly in the uh, the the motorball um uh, sport, right? And so again, as I said, that's an elegant, and it eats up way too much time. And then they thread in these other things about who she is and where she comes from that you don't even get answers to, even when those the 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 questions are ten times more intriguing than stuff like the Hugo stuff. You go, there's this whole sequence where she has a flashback when she has her first big action sequence. And we get this sort of like, I remembered I was on the moon and I was part of this gigantic battle where it's not just her that's a berserker cyborg. It's a it's a battalion of them doing this gigantic battle. Oh, I thought on I Earth thought you were moon. talking about the her uh, one of her first big action sequences is where she beats the guy. Yes, that's with, what I'm talking with, about. With 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 just one limb, Jonathan. No, no, no. Oh, that's later. That's later. I'm the, her first big action sequence. Oh, on the moon. That's a, that's yeah, where she has sequence. a flashback, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And that character is the one that does incapacitate yeah, 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 her right. to the point where, John, this is how amazing. She is not only a a, a, a berserker warrior. They come up with this thing called uh, like Panzer Fist, I believe, <laughs> which is the cyborg kung fu that she is programmed in and has a mastery of, right? Because all of her opponents in the film are going to also be cyborgs, right? And she has this thing where they use the SFX where she does these amazing things that are would be impossible for any human body to do. Eventually she gets her her enemy, this 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 main character who's played by Jack Earl Haley as the as the big yeah. cyborg uh, Grisenwald or something. I'm sorry if I'm uh, forgetting the name. Anyway, he Got beat once, and then it's like, well, I got to come back and get a fighter again, and gets beat. And he literally destroys her body to the point where all she is is her upper torso and, and one, one arm. Arm, and she still fights him <laughs> off. She's basically like balance, balancing on her one hand. And she manages to somehow she do him. some somersaults, and then like. Right into his Dragon face, fist. Dragon Fist. Right into, into his, his eye. Into his eye. You know, right? and you're like, wait, what did I just what watch? Is, but it was an amazing sequence. And the thing is, after that, <laughs> it was Ed. And then after that, that's when she gets her um, cyborg, her her the body she was supposed to have. This alter that that's well, what he, I'm saying. That body that does that, well, she does well, is a, the body Ido gave her, which is not a battle. Here's here's body. what here's what she eventually does get like her super atomic powered body. He, 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 and now forget it. She's here's a, what sells she's a, here's a what fighting sells machine. She doesn't walk away like, yeah, that's right. I just beat this guy with one arm. No, she It's the Geppetto thing. Yeah, Ido and like they carry her away. Her back and they carry her away and they and and you see that okay, there are 
um, um, she does uh, suffer injury and weakness. She's not just like some robot that's like, I'm going to destroy you. No, not at all. And therefore, she's able, um, Rosa's able to emote. Um, she like plays a part get really you well on her side. Yeah. She gets you on this character. Speaking side. of selling yeah. and speaking of getting her, getting on her side, this is how you sold it to me, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, geez. Um, no one's going to know what a Jik Chung Choi is. No, it? but you know what? We're going to explain <laughs> it. Um, from some of you may or may not know that, uh, Miguel and I, uh, have martial art backgrounds and, uh, we come from a discipline that was, uh, created from, um, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee's uh, Jeet Kune, uh, Kune Do, and one of their primary, but one of the big movements is an adapt is adapted from Wing Chun Kung Fu, right? Which is called the Jik Chung Choi or the Straight Blast, or the Straight Blast, and which is a series of punches, rolling punches a, from your center, from the chest, one after another, one after, after another, another. Uh, almost like a <laughs> like a pistoning movement. And, and you go, and you go, Ed. All I'm going to say this to you: Straight Blast, Cyborg Straight Blast. <laughs> And I'm going, oh God, yeah. I, why are you I, doing this to me? Why are you, why are you me? making me want to see this crap? Uh, and so the film, you know, it has the, it has a lot of Bravour um, action sequences. In fact, I look at it and I go, there was a lot of aspects of this film that I felt were like Verhoeven light. Like had this been had had this been a film in the '80s, it would have been a lot gorier. It wouldn't have been PG-13. It would have been an R. And that's part of the fun in, in that it evokes that for me as an 80s kid. Now, as I, I, you know, the film goes on and it ends very abruptly where we finally get the reveal of the Nova as the, the ultimate villain and that Alita is going to, Alita loses Hugo. Um, Christoph Waltz loses his, his wife character. But now we know the setup, the premises. Alita is going to act both in the capacity as a champion of motorball <laughs> to try and get up to, to win that, to get up to the floating city. Yeah, it gives you the- But also act as a hunter warrior with her mentor it, character. It, and she the literally ends with her pointing the sword up towards the villain. It gives you the gladiator ending that the that we would have wanted, but you know whatever. But but whatever it's not is. because that's the problem. That is an issue with the movie. Yeah, right. It becomes this sort of thing where like you spent all this time with this 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 one character uh, Hugo at the expense of all these other characters, as you pointed out, at the expense of these performers. Christoph Waltz, Jennifer Connelly, Ali, where you could have done things. One of the whole things of the film is that Ido and Connelly, um, uh, 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 Chirin, who are Connelly and Waltz's character, I, I want, they lost their daughter. You could have done something very meaty. I need to get in that. With the idea of. Right now. You, oh, hold on. You could have done something very meaty with the idea of this couple having been torn apart by the death of their child and now being brought together again with the introduction of this cybernetic girl into their life. It could have been something amazing and would have helped Ali's character and put bones on that relationship and what's going on. But instead, we got to have, you know... The every line that... Okay, so I, I really need to get into this. I'm sorry. It's like um, Jennifer Conley, Academy Award winning actress, Jennifer Conley. Um, every time she had screen time, her line... And I couldn't tell what she was trying to do whether she was she a mustache twirling villain um, because she would just show up out of nowhere with Mashallah, um, Mashallah Ali and it's like 
Alita's over there. She's looking at us. <laughs> and like, okay, let's, uh, and then, and then that's like. The, but again, that's the waste of these performers. That's what I'm saying. A, it's a writing. Why, why did you, why did you do that when you needed, instead of spending time on Hugo, you should have put time and effort into the Christoph Waltz and Connolly thing, yeah, which I, is a bare bones paper thing. I couldn't buy And then it. more importantly, the stuff that, there is stuff that does work that, are like the Waltz and and Salazar material, the mentor-mentee, father-daughter thing, which I definitely also, I thought it worked, but there should have been more of it. Ultimately, what happens is, is that you have this, you have a, a thing where there's this sort of weird setup for things that we, that is more interesting, but we don't get to see. The actors are kind of wasted in these uh, subplots. That you know aren't don't resonate all that well. I could easily fix this movie. Oh no! Oh okay. no! Yeah, there are tons and of here's ways. Here's this: uh, get rid of the boyfriend. Yeah, Waltz Waltz eats it at the end. That gives more of an impetus and a, Maybe, a yeah. motivation for Alita to go. I have to. I have my to take father. out this. Yeah, I have to, I have to take my out father. this because. Um, yeah, and it's like even then, even now, I'm like. I don't understand. And what, see what's your. I don't understand what his placement was, or or how he can't. Like, what was it? What, okay, here, here's another scene. They have a bar. Oh, it's a, a great pub, scene. A bar where, where, where all the, all, bounty, hunters all, all the bounty hunters are. And they're all cybernetic bounty hunters. And they're cool designs. And they're cool designs. They're awesome Alita goes characters. in and he's trying to rally, he's trying to, she's trying to rally everyone up. We have to take out. The main, the, this big, this the, big, the, this big, this, this renegade. At because at the time she right. doesn't know about Nova. She was we got to take out this this huge renegade that I, she's clashed with before, and they and all, she wipes she wipes, she wipes the, the floor with the floor. Waltz comes in with that that what do you call His that rocket the hammer. rocket hammer, <laughs> and everyone's already like uh you know twitching and and he goes, no they're still fighting they're still fighting, and he goes. He's, he's like, stop it, stop, stop it. If you don't stop, no, no more, more free repairs. No more free repairs. So I'm like, okay, so somehow he's a friend of the of the. He's both the a Sound hunter warrior, but he is also, as I said, he's this, he's this. Yeah, I know, I know. And and, and here's another. Can you say that again? He's a hunter warrior. He's a hunter warrior, and yeah. he's also oh, a cybernetic doctor. Yeah, a cybernetic doctor. Yes, these things write themselves. <laughs> um, and I will also. I, here's the thing. Um. Let me make my case, though, because we're talking about all the things we're 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 catering to you right now, and the fact all your issues you have with the movie. I admit all of the issues the film has. <laughs> I admit that it is also uh, predictable. This is also another big problem with the film. You can plot out everywhere everything's going to go. Of uh, yes. Of course, Alita is going to disobey Waltz when she tells him not to go out at night. Of course, she's going to want to become a hunter warrior because she, when she finds out that he is. Of course, Connolly's character is going to ha is going to uh, betray her her benefactors and you know side with Alita at the end. Of course, of course, of course. There's a lot of that in the film. That all said, on the strength of Salazar's performance alone on the strength of the production design and special effects, which are impeccable, and the action sequences. I mean, I did even enjoyed all of the motorball sequences, and I thought that they would be like, oh, this is going to be something that's going to be stupid. 
I mean, like, and there is a progression of her character in this film that I think does work from being the, the, you know, I've just woken up and I, you know, I have a fully formed personality, but I don't know who I am to the character that, you know, gets warned at one point that, you know, Alita, the other, there are other murder ball people. They're all here to kill you. And she's all like, she's coming to her power. And she's like, well, how many of them are, are here to kill me? All of them. And she just looks around. It's like, okay. All right, let's do this. She worked as a heroine. It, this worked on that level, and it is a gorgeous film. It's a it's a remarkable uh, achievement in CG and motion capture, and it kind of is best to experience the, the pleasures the film does have in the theater. Uh, I, but Ed, uh, everything you said is I am one hundred percent in agreement with of the issues. The thing is. I think that someone can watch this film, come away and enjoy it as long as they understand what the limitations are. I um I went into this movie and very more very, very very I wanted very I want a sequel. <laughs> very 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 biased. Um James Cameron um I have a very profound dislike um as a I'm eye rolling right now. As 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 a, as a creator businessman, you know. And as a marketer, you know, I feel like, um, and you know, here's the thing. I really hated Avatar. Um, and that's not to say that he hasn't had um, some really notable work from the past. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. No, no, don't get me wrong. Uh, you can't take that away here's from the, John, John, here's the problem. He's made yeah, some yeah, very John, important the movies. This is the problem, John. Ed is going to talk about I Dislike Cameron. He honestly only has issues with two movies the man has ever no, done. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, no. Don't put, my, don't put words in my what, mouth. What other, film than, words uh, in my what mouth. other film than Avatar no, listen, can listen, you listen. name? Hold on. Let me, you have let me just get with. to the heart of what I'm saying. Okay. Okay, which is this. Don't interrupt me, please. <laughs> is that he marketed the hell out of this. And this is, and, and the way he goes about it is he makes it sound like this is going to change how we view cinema every time he puts out a movie this is going to change movies and cinema he he somehow the way he sells he he markets is james cameron an arrogant bastard well, yes. here's the thing. your argument is your argument is never bet against cameron when he's directing something yes when he directs something directly which he didn't do this you know Remember, he and just without cameron it. we wouldn't have liquid metal cgi we won't have the uh, the industry that we have today i understand that but you know but this movie did Titanic, this movie no but you didn't like then, it but this you, is the thing you you didn't like it still was number one movie yeah you, you can't know. you can't put that I, I will always say avatar is a is a is a, a trifle when it comes to the story and trite and all the rest still with you know and i noticed i have i didn't even bring up the fact that yeah i mean you know you're he's a real life villain or he's an asshole or anything like that <laughs> right. uh i don't know him personally but see the, the but other part is, is, is you, is, you, you I market do, yourself I, do, I don't what does that furthermore have to do furthermore with this film? again i said i went into this very biased and the other thing also is he's got something up his ass when he's like pointing out issues about marvel movies 
He, you, oh, don't you know, even go there, Ed. Because again, know, that's a fanboy. That's your fanboyism yeah. showing big time when he did what he said that's, wasn't. That's even, my fanboy right. Wasn't even that bad. <laughs> this is the fanboy. This is the fanboy. This is the, the, this is the but fanboy again, but again, it's like okay, I don't understand. Still, like, um, I don't understand. Again, James, I don't understand what. See, you mean I, by I this. think that what you're bringing something that is beyond necessarily the yeah the the closest I can agree with you is that. How can you have any criticism of superhero movies when you produce the executive produce something like right. this, which just is a a superhero movie without a doubt? It's it's just directors, creators, producers, just do what you do. Okay. Go out and put out good content, make movies, and shut the shut the hell up. Okay, that's all right. pretty much all. I, okay. uh, what I mean by this, and and again, like why Damn. why the hate? Why why, why the hate? And, um, but again, I, I, I go into this movie and to me, it's, it's, a, it's very lackluster. Um, but that's not to say that they can't build on what's already been and put out. And this is, this is where I put interject, where I want to see a sequel go, if it ever would even get made. And the thing is, it's not tanked. How did the sales go? It, it didn't, it's not tanked. It has, like numbers, I said, it's this sort of thing where it's made three, over 350 million 350, worldwide. Uh, 351.3, uh, right? With a budget of one, 170, you okay. know? So it's, it's not a huge hit, but. It didn't exactly either. And, yeah. you know, you have to look at the fact that, again, it built its, that 350, its legs are built on word of mouth. People are seeing this film are enjoying it but as i said every person you know surprisingly it um i i didn't <laughs> can i just say i think that we're this is a this is a this is a theme here it's like neither ed you no longer take the subways right no so and you you're stay-at-home dad yeah. right john you're working here in the studio all the time you guys both say the same thing. Uh, where is the advertising for these things? Where is going? And I always go, it is literally everywhere for these things. It's out there. You guys seem no, to but think we that see the Hollywood movies don't. Yeah, but, but we just see the buses. Yeah, but yeah, there yeah. there was advertising. There was advertising. Yeah. But what's really given it, it any life has been word of mouth. And what I would like to see is a sequel build on the strengths that the film had. Or I have a feeling... Cameron doesn't realize that he has a uh, the potential of the next Buffy here. We all forget. Exactly. We all forget that Buffy the Vampire Slayer was originally conceived by Whedon uh, as a film. It did not do well. The film is not considered even a good movie by a lot of people. But somehow he was able to finagle that into a, a serial I'm show. To, I'm trying and to... I think that what should happen is Cameron should use his influence to keep Salazar... Above all, keep her. She's what makes anything work. And have Cameron and Rodriguez act as hands-on creatives on a streaming show. Do eight to ten episodes. And then all of those issues that we talked about go away because suddenly you've got the room to expand on all of these ideas. You can have a teased-out backstory. You can have a, a, a relationship that you know is given room to breathe. In eight to ten episodes, and shows now are starting to be—they're starting to get this level of production value in them. You know, we loved Altered Carbon, Game of Thrones. These are shows that have 
a lot of money thrown at them and look good and f- and live up to their concept. I, I'm trying to determine what the you know as you're you're giving your you're making your point, uh, what the overseas reception was. You know whether it was a hit or not. It doesn't seem like to me it's doing Aquaman figures overseas. And what does that mean? And why is that like important to me? It's because again, this goes goes back to my cousin Jason. You know, um, or that an audience where they've come from a a, um, a, a history a, a a tradition where jackie chan is mm. king right okay. you know um overseas what is uh, overseas what? Cin- cinema watchers they love spectacle action. they love spectacle. spectacle they love spectacle now what well, i see i had read that it was doing okay in the asian it was doing market. okay it was doing right. it was doing well in the yeah, asian market right how's it doing in japan I, I don't know. I don't know. The, the I don't know. Japan. I will small say market, that the creator of it, did which is an interesting question, because it's anime, right? It's so. an it's an anime property, and the and the the creator actually said that he was very very pleased mm-hmm. with it. Um, which is which is kind of odd because it's a it's a to me um, because it has that Ghost in the Shell. I mean, that's something I didn't. I, okay, I didn't, that I didn't is, right. okay. Let's get this out of the right. way. I. We, you, John, you and I reviewed Ghost in the Shell, and what did I, what did I say was the big problem with Ghost in the Shell? That I would have forgiven it all of its issues if it had least delivered on its action, right? That the production design of Ghost in the Shell and the special effects were amazing, but it was the most, it was incredibly pedestrian and inaction-wise. Yeah. That's not the case in this film. This film delivers on the anime-style action in a big way. Mm And in an almost revolutionary way, this is in terms of many things, one of the more accomplished films that Rodriguez has put out for a while. I, I again, I, I don't mean that. I don't bit, mean that. But Ed, again, you, my caveats. I said, accomplished <laughs> in what sense? I said the SFX, the production, right. what it looks like. This is one of his best looking movies. Period. It's it's an expensive looking movie. It's but no, no you yeah. say that no Les there's it's no are you saying movie. there's no style in the in its production design and I its realization of its I'm world I'm just saying it's like it, there you go. it looks the, like if they put expensive they just sounds like ah they just threw they the put money, money in it in doesn't this. matter I mean you want style then like Rodriguez directing um uh um uh Sin City Yeah you I mean there's there's style again, and substance he, because you have the performances right you know here Wasted performances, wasted but performances. But those are also and two different kinds of things. Sin City is not an action film. Per no, no, se. no. But like this but delivers on what you want. It has a lot of action set pieces. The fight coordination is tops. They integrate what? the concept of the cyborg w- fighting. Can, can the, we get into a little bit about Rodriguez a bit though? Let's like, um, uh, how would how would he be remember, remembered? And I don't think he's going to be remembered for this movie per se because. Um, you look at this and it's got Cameron written all over it. This does not feel like a Rodriguez movie per se. You know, it's just, it's, I a, think it's act- a kind of odd choice. Honestly, the truth is, mm-hmm. I think the bad portions of this film can be more laid at the feet of Rodriguez than you at, at Cameron. Cameron has never had a, a, a misfire casting of Hugo. Not in any of his films. The closest might be Eddie Furlong in T2. Mm-hmm. Which is more, uh, I think, more. I've always felt the reaction to that character was more about we had this idea of what we wanted John Connor to be, and the fact that he was a whiny, you know, early '90s kid 
you know, saying like, what? It kind of, it was, it but see, but, but see, even John, exactly. There is nothing along those lines in any of Cameron's films. No, no, you go no, like I, Cameron, that, that, um, I, he has tight films, tight the stories. This is something you, you can never take away from him. Um, <laughs> this is his yeah. best film. Right. It's his best movie. Right. The Abyss? The Abyss. I think of The Abyss. Uh, have you ever seen The Abyss? I thought Terminator 2 was his best movie. I, the, here's the thing. Terminator I, was probably his, uh, his commercial hit that puts him on the map. Yeah. You know, and also or Terminator Two, but I think John's was a Terminator Two. This is the thing: he was a god tier action director mm -hmm. of the '80s, and The Abyss is not an action film. No, it's a film of ideas, of substance, of characters. It's a, it's a, it's a film of awe. It's wonder. It is him in his most Spielbergian mm -hmm. because he definitely is like pulling a Spielberg at the end. With a cast with where um, Ed Harris, Harris Ed Mary Harris. Elizabeth Master Antonio, yeah. At, but more importantly, all the other characters around mm -hmm. them are like real people. Everyone is very real. There are no superheroes yeah. in this story per se. Rodriguez, which I believe is a very f flip end to that, uh, flip side to that, where uh, <laughs> he's known for... That grindhouse kind yeah. of, you know, El Mariachi, dirty, Mariachi. Once, Once Upon a Time, a time I love Once Upon a Time in Mexico. But, you know, even things that he's, you know, um, stuff like, you know, Planet Terror... Uh, machete, <laughs> machete. <you know>? Okay, <laughs> he he has this sort of you know Tarantino talks about him mm -hmm. being his brother. Yeah, in that you know, appreciation for the sort of that low end, low low high art. You know, it's like yeah, they were going for something. Maybe they didn't have the money to do mm -hmm. it. Maybe they didn't have the wisdom to realize what it could be. But they were going for something. Um, you're I I think that the issues in this film are much more on Rodriguez's side than Cameron. I don't put blame on you. I'm not saying that you sold that you that you that you missold it to me, and I'm like I'm like spinning it back at you. No, not at all. I'm very grateful. By the way, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for this man, ladies and gentlemen. I am. You know, I, I would trying, not be Edward's the fanboy that I am today. The situation. <laughs> uh, I think just overall, just ending this is that I'm recommending it on its strengths, while totally completing admitting. Um, it's it's issues. I'm not defending the, the the bigger. For you, you felt that in the end, it was a flash and no this, substance. This, uh, you this, couldn't appreciate yeah. the things that I said were good about it, and the cons. This which certainly we agree isn't on, for me. Uh, are, I, were not it, worth. Going I do to, want. Know. I I I again. Rosa uh, Rodriguez. Uh, Rosa Salazar. Rosa yeah. Salazar. I'm not Rodriguez. Salazar. Um. I. She's. I, There's a. I'm glad to see her. Um, a up and Millie coming. Bobby Brown character. Yeah, you know, yeah. something good. A, something where you go like, yes, no, this girl is going to go on to do greater things. Whoa. You just, you just toss that out. <laughs> Lita Bell Angel versus Millie Bobby Brown. Another like, you know. Um, I'm just saying, Ed, Ed, <laughs> tell me that that would not be an awesome Justice League Eleven. Alita and and uh, and um, what was Summer's uh, character on uh, on Serenity? Um, River. Oh, River. River. Yeah, yeah. River. Well. Alita and Eleven. <laughs> that that's a badass team. That you, I would watch that crossover. Um, anywho, um, yeah, that is weird. You, you know, I think it's you. The cons outweighed any pros for me. The pros just edged up edged up enough for me to go yes i admit the cons but it had its pleasures you that, that you can go that into in this the movie theater, you, you can definitely enjoy it. this movie if you had like you know like a six pack of beer 
Yeah, it's you can't. Like, yeah, it's but hard I, to get I into don't any. drink, so. so there you go. Okay. Yeah. So now we're going to let lead over into our Star Trek Star discovery. Trek. So now we're going to go into our Star Trek Discovery review discussion, which is a spoiler discussion of what is essentially the first season and half of the second season of Star Trek Discovery. As we have talked on this show multiple times, (laughs) Ed and I are Trek guys through and through. Jonathan is uh, a Trek guy. We have a connection to this franchise. Uh, However, can, can we can we get like just a, just a little bit of origin story? You know, like I had access to watching the show, and then eventually, and eventually you were able to. I think you breezed through season one and season uh, and whatever. Season yeah, it's half of season two in like a matter of a week, right? And um, and all all I said to you was, yeah, this is this well, more than is the half yours. season of season two. I did in a day. I know. Wow. You gave you it was because I wasn't able to watch it for a little bit, mm. and then I was doing it a little bit every night at my job, yeah. and then eventually got done with that, and I was like, "You got to give me season two. Yeah. and you were like, "Oh, they're not even they're only seven episodes <laughs> up already." Blah, blah, blah. Went through season uh, what was left of season but two. I, it's like I and I said from the get go, "No, this is you need to see this. You need to get on this." Um, and then for a year that's been that it has been out. Yeah, you still hadn't been able to watch yeah, it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, I don't know if there's anyone else telling you any on on the hype. This is not your online dad's and stuff. Trek, you, the, know. I, you know, I am. I was aware of the controversies of this show, so you know that's starting out. We're Trek guys, but Trek has had a bit of a bumpy time in the pop culture. When you mean controversies controversies there are all sorts of controversies for the, about in this, this particular show for this show that i was aware of them and not the inner workings of because again i i, I oh no well there that's also right. retrocon and learned that other stuff because i didn't pay attention to the show <laughs> i knew i was going to get to see it at some point i didn't know when but i knew i was so i kind of i said i don't want to know specifics of you know what's going on I didn't read a lot, but I was aware of that there was a lot of backlash of among a lot of fans online, not least of which is about the format of CBS saying, we're going to give you one episode for free on broadcast, and then you got to pay to see the end of it. And it wasn't even one episode. The truth is, the first two episodes are the pilot. Yeah, yeah. And they basically cut you off in the middle of the pilot and say, give us your money. So he's a bit, a little bit All right, of background. wait, and then you have just controversies of things that are... You're always going to get with any version of Trek, which is people complained about, well, I don't like what they're doing with Star Trek. I don't like some of the plot-specific points, things that were out there. The the fact that uh, uh, Green is Spock's foster sister <laughs> or something. Um yeah, there was there were there were there was a lot of stuff out there that I was aware of, and then there was the stuff that I wasn't aware of. That came after I went through it and started going, okay, let me read more about this for the review we're going to do on the show. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes some sense with some of the stuff that are issues with the show. Now, you saw it first. You kept telling me that I had to see it. For you, Well, let, let what? me Just a little bit of background. Right? Okay. A little bit of background. A series um, created for exclusively for CBS All Access. Mm-hmm. Another streaming service that was just put out there mm-hmm. uh, by Brian Fuller and Alex Kurzman, already Trek uh, veterans. Mm-hmm. 
the it was announced originally in November 2015. Right. Okay. But was delayed. Okay, was delayed due to a lot of behind the scenes issues. The original conception of the show by Fuller um was that CBS just knew they wanted a Trek show. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have an idea of what to do. And Fuller comes to them with this idea of let's do a multi-season anthology Trek show, which I do think sounds very, very intriguing. The basic idea, John, would be, uh, well, um, we'll do one season in one era of Trek with a one crew, but then the next season will be a completely different crew in a completely different era and so on and so forth for about four seasons to the point where he was like, I want to bring Trek, really move it forward. I want to have a storyline that you will get to, that has to be done in beyond the 24th century, beyond the next generation Voyager DS9 era. You know, a lot of other things in Trek so far have, has been looking back. You know, you've got Enterprise, which is, oh, we're going to do the original Federation the J.J. Abrams films of rebooting the Kirk era and even Discovery, mm-hmm. which is saying, oh, we're 10 years before the, the timeline of Kirk. Which is actually what and this And Fuller is. is like, no, let's do a story that will we can give Trek fans something completely new. And I also think there was the idea that even though there were going to be anthologies and there was going to be revolving cast, there was going to be some aspect that was going to be threaded through those different eras so there was some sort of mega arc story of something that was going to be developed whether you know you know you could use your imagination say it would be oh here is the first contact with these aliens in the kirk era and this is what happened you know and, 75 and, years later and years later and so on and maybe it developed into something that was like well that one thing that happened in the past really reverberated through the rest of the history of but, the Federation. But in fact, this uh, the show takes place 10 years before Kirk and Spock. Mm. And it's not, has it's separate from the Enterprise. Um, and it is separate from the J.J. Abrams yeah, reboot verse. Right. And they're kind of saying, no, we're the, what's left of the prime, quote unquote, mm. prime universe is prime as compared to the Kelvin JJJ yeah, yeah, yeah. A- A- Abrams version. Um, and so there were issues. Brian Fuller was on there for a while. He leaves. He brought in two other showrunners. They're there. They've gotten kicked off in the second season. And I think some of that, yeah, this that is back so and forth much... and the behind the scenes does, there is evidence of that on the show. And we'll get into that when we talk into mm-hmm. the specifics of the review. Um, but I, I'm, re- but, I'm but reading the, along the, you know, the, on Wikipedia, Brian Fuller mm-hmm. leaves, mm-hmm. Uh, two other showrunners, writers left, like they were fired. That's what I'm saying, that it's, they were brought in and they leave in the second. <laughs> it's so, so it's like. How do you maintain a level yeah. of quality with that? Now, all of that said, then there's also the issue, as I I, I point out before, of CBS saying we need we're gonna build a, our app on the backs of Trek fans. Mm. They didn't need to get all Trek fans; they just needed enough to make this profitable, and I, and it it seems to have done that. And I didn't believe it when you last night you told me no, no, this uh, nine mi- four yeah, million viewers. Its premiere got nine internationally and a half million viewers on broadcast and i'm like wow and that's respectable in today's age uh that's probably not counting all the people that probably saw it via the app which Mm -hmm. is probably a a whole lot more because 
It's just more, you know, it's more convenient. Yeah, and I didn't, I also didn't, wasn't aware that um, as the show was pitched, um, streaming services such as Hulu, Netflix, they were offering a lot of money. This is Trek. It ha- it's, you know, it's not a, it's not small beans. Mm-hmm. You know, they know the, the passion of the Trek fan base, which if knowing that it makes me question how they could not know what can of worms that they were opening up on a m- multiple fronts, but we'll get into that. Did, I, out of curiosity, like, do you know whether, because you get a sense of what the general reception is from your, 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 your friends at the hype online and, world. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like you have a more of a more finger on the pulse thing. Are the fans like, there and we're talking about fans from I all said over. It was controversial. Everything a TOS lot about fans, TNG fans, TOS, TNG. You have a lot of them that were very that reminded me in hindsight of the whole TNG TOS thing from back in the day when I was a kid. This is not Star Trek. Mm. You you're embracing darkness. This is not the Star Trek. And um, I think if you didn't hold on through to the end of this season. If you only watched, say, the first five episodes, <laughs> right? If you if you if you were like, this is not for me, maybe you'd be justified. No, this is Trek, and in fact, the issues that are with this series are not that it is not Trek. That is the least of this this TV show's problems, of which there are a multitude. But what did I tell you at the end of my of, of watching the first season? Because I kept complaining to you about this aspect or that aspect. Every, while every day I would check. Every day I, for the past since for the past month, <laughs> I would receive texts from you, and like and here I because you, you had already By started, the last two weeks really, you, really okay you had already started on your on your discovery j- journey, <laughs> no pun intended. And I would get these, I, it's what would stream in were, were these texts, you know, the first texts were like, uh, was it a straight up F you? No, yeah, no, no, that's I, later. That's much, oh, much that's later. later. I, I was, I, I, you know, I like everybody. Uh, let's before oh, here we go. Okay. <laughs> February 25th. Okay. Third, uh, third episode. Uh, WTF, WTF, was this thing written by a high teenager? Also, again, why do so many characters speak in ways that are inherently off-putting and weird? <laughs> <laughs> That's... Uh, yeah, like, universal... But the one thing that kind of sold you was uh, the line where where um, Lorca says, universal law, law is la- is for lackeys universal law is for lackeys is for context kings. is for kings and and, and you were in and well and not just in Lorca got me in but then we'll tell you how the how that all pulled the <laughs> this is a spoiler review so we're going to get and into you know everything and I'm like and and I by then I was sort of I was a little bit nervous in the beginning I have to admit whether you were going to like it or not but then I I was pretty confident because as bat shit crazy <laughs> discovery is. is and it is <laughs> Okay, and not just because. Oh yeah, they're they're uh, um, uh, they're light they're faster than light drive. Is powered by mushrooms. Yeah, space yeah, mushrooms. We'll... <laughs> you know, um, I was pretty confident that you were going to get sucked in at some point, and you've been sucked in. I've been sucked in, but with <laughs> more, some more... really big issues. <laughs> 
So for anyone who doesn't know, Star Trek Discovery is the newest television series. It's, as we said, you know, about good 10 years, about a decade before Kirk and Spock start their shenanigans. All right. Now, it is a different Trek show in that it's very conception, as we said, was already like, well, we're not going to do the standard Voyager DS9. What? He's looking at one of my texts. What did I say? So the chief of security, this is February 26th. Chief of security decides to ignore a Vulcan trained scientist and release a creature that slaughtered the platoon of Klingons and gets killed for her stupidity. What is wrong with these writers? (laughs) (laughs) As any Trek, this is, I, I am reflective. I think of a lot of people online who, who had that kind of like reaction to the writing of it. Let me just make very clear, however, this show's problems, of which there are many, the problems are not what the fanboys are saying they are. It's not that it's not Trek or it's too dark. Oh, that, or is that the general consensus, though? It's not that. Well, the fanboys who are complaining very loudly about it. Oh, well, too. It's, it's Trek. By the end of that first season, I can tell you as someone who has thoroughly watched every single version of Trek there has ever been, I've read comics, I've watched the animated show, um, it's Trek. Any issues with the continuity or whatever are minor. Those aren't what are important to whether this, this succeeds or fails. That said, there are some issues, but I'd rather talk about the positives first, then get into the negatives and give the general overview. So the general overview is this is a series based around a singular character, unlike most Star Treks, which are ensemble pieces with Sin- the captain as the lead sort of of the ensemble. Sonequa Martin-Green um, of, of Walking Walk, The Walking Dead. And um, when she left The Walking Dead, by then she was already kind of um, a fan favorite, you know, and when... The way she goes in The Walking Dead, we're all like, no, no, they couldn't do that. So already in the popular uh, fanboy mind. She um, was someone people were casting for a lot of things. Yeah, oh, you know, she but, should be Vixen. But she you tell me that, and I, I, I haven't I read am, this anywhere. I, I am that, not a Walking Dead fan, right. so I am not familiar with her how her what her performance is like i'm not even like you you part like you know mm. that the, how the fans react but to you it. told me that the originally um martin burnham was they they'd had rosario, rosario dawson. dawson was originally supposed to where be did cast. you get that where'd you get that from? um i uh, fat man on batman oh okay okay and that she could not get out of her uh marvel contract uh for the the netflix show that she was doing because there's a whole thing with netflix involved in this netflix is not um netflix distributes the film overseas mm-hmm but it is not available on North American Netflix. Right, 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 right. Uh, only through the CBS app. And so she's the main character and everything revolves around her. And that's different from these. And she's not the commander of the vessel. Mm. She is a subordinate within it. And she, in fact, goes through the almost the entirety of the first season as persona non grata within Starfleet yep. because of how the story develops. Um, and that I think actually is refreshing. The differences of things on the show are what's refreshing. Um, not that that they don't have issues in them themselves. Uh, the other parts of this show is that my Lord in heaven, is this a gorgeous film? 
I mean, uh, this is a gorgeous TV show because it is you just like said a it. film. You just said it. It's right. like a movie. Right. Um, I think that there are even moments, not even moments, a lot of times where they, through their production design and their special effects, exceed the J.J. Abrams films yeah. in terms of what they do, or at least equal them, which is impressive mm-hmm. for a 15-episode uh, streaming TV series. And but I, maybe I, we shouldn't be too surprised. That seems to be where streaming is going. Right. They seem to be getting into... No, you. We can do these just as and good. And the, the the design conceptions. I going into it. I'm like, uh, I'm a little confused because um, if this is ten years before TOS, see, it's the Ed, analog and the is, digital Ed, stuff. That is the issue with the fanboy part. Oh, okay. That's the whole. That's a failure on their part because <laughs> it's too. It, it's 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 too advanced looking for it to be part of the continuity of star trek and i was like look you they were never going to make it look like you could not have trek work little, like that little colorful buttons on yeah on, just on uh, the, with, no labels. Board, with no labels what do we do <laughs> how do we get this uh well, orange green captain. red blue blue red red green and you'll bring up the, the <laughs> no that's not how things would work okay and that go like i said that's not an issue for mm. me in terms of this of the show right. um and in fact this is there's so much on discovery about it where i said this is where trek should have been 10 years ago mm. 15 years yeah, ago yeah. uh in looking on reviews and stuff you know what has occurred to me is that you know enterprise was on mm. was being broadcast on upn yeah. and it dovetailed i think its last two seasons with the first two seasons of battlestar galactica that they were on at the same time mm. and nothing is going to show you how tired the team that was handling Trek was and what they accomplished with something like Enterprise than comparing it to Battlestar, what the sci-fi's Battlestar Galactica. Um, There's, uh, by there the was this whole thing <laughs> where in you could see where TV was going and that Enterprise is still working off of the formula from next gen and i love next gen but if next gen were being done today it would not uh operate the way it did back then and what do we mean by that um, serialization BAG, of story BSG. we're talking about d- depth of characterization we're talking about you know a more frankness in the subject matter that can be tackled on and on enterprise was still kind of like look it's not 1987 anymore mm-hmm. and yet they were still producing it in the sort of tng way and this is not this show this show is a modern television experienced serialized drama um with the more more a lot more complexity um great production values characterization all of those things and whether you whether uh, for those of you fans who've already been watching it whether you disagree or not whether you um uh for example tilly one of the um the the junior officers she she says she has an f bomb. Throws right. an f bomb. Yeah, that's out, what I'm saying. There, it's a, it's, so it's a, it's it's a modernized take on it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, that's not an issue for me mm. with the show. Getting to this basic setup, what we have here is uh, a fantastic cast. The first uh, episode pilot. You know, we're not even on the titular sh- ship of the show. We are instead on the Shenzhou, which is a Federation uh, Starfleet, you know, vessel commanded by Michelle Yeoh as uh, Captain Philippa, Giorgio. 
And her first officer, played by uh, Sonequa Martin-Green, uh, who was named Michael Burnham. A science officer. A science officer who is a slick as hell on her path, her career path. Mm. She said she's only been in the fleet for seven years, yeah. and they're already considering giving her command. Mm. And the opening sequence of this <laughs> show encapsulates everything that's good and everything that's bad. So we have the captain and her first officer, as Trek yeah. tradition, going on going planets. on to a desert planet. They they've the, the command crew has like no yeah let's go to a place and, <laughs> and take a and take a dangerous risk and it's this sort of thing where they explain well if we don't get out of here we'll be trapped on this planet for eighty nine years but we're helping this this uh, society uh, and not quite bend we're bending but not breaking the prime directive. And, you know, uh, the captain, they accomplished their mission. It was like, oh, we got to get out of here or not, or we'll be, or we'll be stuck here. And the captain, hey, let's go for a walk. And I'm already like, <laughs> you, you mentioned the stakes already. It's like, hey, we could get trapped here for 89 years. And the first officer is like, and she's all, hey, let's go for a walk. This is not, I don't, it's awkward and strange. And then... Uh, first right out of the bat and you know I don't want to be be accused by racism by anyone but I really feel that Michelle Yeoh is miscast and that's a problem with this show there's a lot of in my opinion miscasting and the issue is that I love Michelle Yeoh I love Michelle Yeoh in the context of the films that she's done but let us not pretend that her English is not her first language she I would give anyone a difficulty of trying to not only do regular standard acting and emoting and all the no, rest you know, and out of your I, and out of your out of your 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 native tongue, but then give them Trek techno babble and the specifics of character stuff on top of that. There, there's no denying that uh, Michelle Yeoh was a bit. Of, there's a bit of stunt casting in that. Right? Oh yeah, there's. You this know, is a. This is. And you a, know, I, it, got, it got me. I right. was sold. I'm like. Yeah, like, you go. Oh, oh sure, the Michelle Yeoh, Jackie captain? Chan. Yeah, internationally as, speaking, the the female Jackie Chan has been cast as a Starfleet, as the captain. Starfleet captain. I'm in. Yeah, you're all right in, but in execution, it is a little awkward because mm -hmm. you're supposed to really get a sense of the emotional connection between her and especially Michael Burnham. And it seems like now, excuse me, I'm chewing. We're moving into sec season two. Um, no, we'll we'll get into we'll get no, into no, but the I'm saying, like the, the progression of her character, like she's no longer. Well, people are going to wonder about that because of what we're going to talk about uh, happens <laughs> in the pilot. So there already is this sort of like, oh, this is some very awkward line readings going on, and they there's this forced moment of, oh, they took a walk to create the Fed the Starfleet symbol, and that's how the ship was going to get them out of there before they were have to be trapped for 89 years and i already was kind of like that felt very forced and that is an issue w w throughout the series there's a lot of very forced drama well, i think that was that was branding that first scene was a branding like we're and, back Look yeah exactly but that's exactly <laughs> but they didn't yeah. but narrative wise it was kind of like what okay so take uh, a walk walk with me yeah, yeah, we're gonna have a, we'll do it. So, um, yeah, let's listen, have a, your career is. Uh, let's have a talk about your career. <laughs> oh, we could get stuck here for eighty nine years, but it's but cool that's besides the point because but um, we're cool beans. Cool Michael, beans is what you've been doing great. You know, like um, <laughs> something I really admire you and all the work that you've done is, um, 
Whereas anyone else would be like, is this really the time to be having this discussion about my CV, Captain? No, no, that isn't that. So um, essentially it's that uh, we learned that Burnham is the first officer aboard the Shenzhou, mm. which is which is Giorgio's ship, and they come around. They come up upon an anomaly uh, out there in space um, that is connected to a Federation probe, uh, a Federation uh, communications relay. And long story short, Burnham's family was killed by the Klingons in an attack. It just so happens she was adopted. <laughs> By Ambassador Star Trek Sarek. lords, uh, lords Ambassador Sarek, who is Spock's father, so she was raised with Spock, and is her, her heretofore completely and totally <laughs> never before revealed adopted sister of Spock. Now, there's a lot of eye rolling that goes with that. It, it there are a lot of narrative issues that go with that. There is this sort of like, well. It doesn't this make the universe smaller rather than expanding it? Why did it have to be a pre-established character? You do there are arguments for that where you go. It could have well, been we any gotta, Vulcan we gotta, family. Yeah, it could have been any Vulcan right, family. Because right. the idea is interesting of mm. a human raised basically through, you know, from the age of like eight or nine. But I think Vulcan. that a story without Sarek, Amanda, or even Spock at this point, mm. you know, yes, Spock shows up in this in in in, in season this two, season, yeah. right? So. Um, I think it would have been really diminished um, to not have Sar Sarek in there. It, there is there is something about you have to you know they were it's a hedging your bet move, mm -hmm. but it also opens up opportunities to explore other things. I get that. I yeah. do get that. And so we Burnham, we see that she's very socialized. She's very emotional, and when we first meet mm -hmm. her. Um, and you and so you're going like, okay, oh, she was raised by the Vulcans, but she's okay. So, long story short, they come across a conclave of Klingons, right? And it's the first contact the Federation has had with the Klingon for a century. And they're not sure how to proceed what they're doing. She confers with her Vulcan adopted father, Sarek, and says, look, I don't know, you know, she accidentally killed a Klingon in her encounter when she found the ship. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what do we do now? And Sarek basically breaks it down to her and says, look, the, you know, the detente that we made with the Klingons, the Vulcans, at first, every time we met them, they attacked us, killed us, destroyed our ships, you know, or they attempted battle. And what we had to do was every time a Vulcan came into contact with the Klingons, we fired upon them without hesitation. We had to give them a bloody nose to say, hey, respect us. And... She becomes convinced that is the course of action that they must take here. She brings this recommendation to the captain. Her captain disagrees with her. And in this disagreement, Burnham, who has some sort of emotional issue, because again, the Klingons killed her, her family. So mm -hmm. you're like, is she, is she just want revenge? What's going on here? Right. The captain's like, you're not thinking clearly. Burnham employs the Vulcan neck pinch to take out her captain <laughs> and essentially mutinies and is going to, Tell the crew, hey, Shenzhou, fire on the Klingons. And by the way, that's the, the relationship between her and Michelle Yeoh, her, her captain. It's uh, they also it's also established that it's sort of 
a mentor mentee. It's a very, very deep, maternal, very deep maternal sort of thing. Yeah, like I, I, I was the one who basically. This is my friend and mm. person who has taught me how to reintegrate into into society and has given me this career. Mm. And she has all of this faith in me. It's it's a big part. She that's the whole thing. She she is attaching her emotions to Michelle Yeoh's character because she doesn't want to lose her the way she lost her 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 birth parents to yeah. the Klingons. So here we get the Klingons are coming in are into her life again, and suddenly, oh, the last time they killed my again mm -hmm. my mother and my father, and here is again this mentor care. I don't want to have that taken away from me again. She neck pinches Michelle Yeoh, <laughs> kind of, oh, you know, disobeys order. And then it's like, no, you're going to the brig because of this. The captain re regains consciousness and doesn't matter. The Klingons open fire, want war in the first place. And, you know, long story short, Michelle Yeoh's character dies. Um, yeah. And I'm like, that's the second okay, episode. Okay. In the that, second episode. That's the, the, two, the two part pilot. Yeah. That ends with two. And I'm like, wait a minute. Um, you just killed off what I what I got excited about from the uh, something. Yeah, it's like, oh, isn't this this is kind of oh yeah. strange? It's sort of an abrupt ending for this character. Yeah, I'm like, uh, which might be indicative of the behind the scenes issues. Uh, another portion of this of this which is important to the first season is the fact that the Klingons on this show, um, it is they are not presented in any way the, the way most people have expected the Klingons to be from next generation on. Um, not only in their redesign, but the idea as well, the Klingons are not together. They're really separate 24 houses, noble houses, and they're not, they don't speak with one voice. They aren't a unified government. Mm -hmm. And they're sort of a Klingon messiah character, a Klingon religious character who that's his plan. He wants to bring them all together. He has this ship, which is an ancient ship, which is an ancient cloaking device. And he has a second who is a white Klingon. There are all sorts of political ramifications <laughs> here who is sort of the Michael Burnham to him, who is, I believe in you. You're, you know, I see foresee great things with you. And so now at this the, point, the, 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 the two mentor mentees clash mm -hmm. And both of the mentors die. Right. Michael Burnham goes off to face her, uh, um, her what she's got to face on Starfleet. And Vok, who is this white Klingon character, has to face what he faces in the Klingon Empire. Now, Michael Burnham, that's the end of the first episode. She's brought up, she's court-martialed, and for whatever second, reason... Second or first? Yeah, I, I, right, right, right. they're the same thing, the pilot. <laughs> whatever, been two, come on. So, the... The, at the end of this pilot, she's court-martialed, and people f seem to hold her responsible mm -hmm. for this Klingon war that has arisen. And that's where we leave. So that's that episode, how they, they bring in Jason Isaacs. Um, she's she's uh, imprisoned, um, and Jason Isaacs is the captain of the titular... Of, of Harry Potter fame, uh, right. Lucius Malfoy. One of, uh, yeah, is the captain of this experimental craft, the Discovery. He brings her on board. And now like, I here's, like your moxie. Here's you know? <laughs> where we get into some weird issues where I go even that are have again nothing to do with Trek. Notice so far I have not said, oh, this is because it's not Trek that this is a problem. It's a problem because if there's certain Ed, um, <laughs> technically everyone's like, oh, she started the war. The mutineer who started the war. Ed, let's go through everything I just said. Um she doesn't get a chance to fire on the Klingons first. Her recommendation is not take an action. 
Yes, she vo- neck pinched her captain, mm. but then the captain went along with everything. After that, after the Klingons start she's fighting, all, she's all with, she's with her. This is the plan we have to take. This is what we've got to do. Let's beam over to the uh, let's beam over to the Klingon ship, and uh, you know take their Messiah captive, and that's how we'll be able to bring them to. See, reservations are of a narrative. Um, have nothing devices. to do with Trek so yeah. far. I have nothing. Oh, it's not Trek. And that's a question. It's like, well, why is everyone, why are they writing this as though, Michael Burnham, you started this war. N- no, actually, all, all, the only thing that she is guilty of is the mutiny. And even the captain said, let's put that aside. That's not important that's right not now. That's not for lack of uh, an original but, idea. And that you have, you create a character. And that's why there's not a problem for me on Trek Wise. Who starts off as the, your essential Trek character, uh, not the captain, not yes, the science yes. officer. And she's got to climb out of this hole. Right. Yeah. Which ends, which, yeah, she and does. And that is not something that we have disgraced officers mm. on their way, you know, trying to find redemption has been done in Trek many, many times. Ro Laren was that. Tom Paris was that. To a degree, um, Wesley Crusher was that with the, you know, the whole accident at the Academy store. So there had, there's a history of Trek characters who are first officers or officers, you know, trying to make amends for things. That's not an issue. The issues become, you know, she gets on board Voyager. I'm sorry. She gets on board Discovery. And this is an experimental vessel commanded by Captain Lorca, Mm -hmm. who's Jason Isaacs. And we learn... Doesn't exactly offer a post. Right. But because... There's this mysterious sort Mm -hmm. of like, let's, I'm bringing you on board. Yeah. Well, you're, it's, you're, it's, it'll be wasted material if you're not, uh, if you're not part of this. We need people, we need good officers in the fight against the Klingons. Okay. So and she's brought into this new world of, in, of being in service, not having rank, but being just merely a specialist on board. Not just not on rank, but uh, they pull a, um, a Chris Pine Kirk, like from the, from the first movie. Where she's mar- she's walking around without an insignia badge, right? You know, so she's a disgraced. Yeah, everyone everyone on board knows that she's the person that was the mutineer who we blame for the war. Fine, but then we get into the specifics, and the specifics are that the good ship Discovery is an experimental experiment in transportation for the Federation, based on. Not trans warps, not wormholes, not any sort of the sort of reasonable expectations of what is and is not like sci-fi technology within the Trek world. It is based on that there are apparently funguses. There are, are, there are what they call the mycelial highway Mm -hmm. of, uh, of these mushrooms, this fungus. And you use the fungus to make tr- uh, jumps through space. The study instantaneous. The study transmission. Astromycology. 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 Which is a st- which is which a is study a- of fungus fungi in space. Enter the rest of the crew. Right. Okay. Paul Stamets. You know who's the who? By the way, that character is named after yes. a a specialist An in mushrooms uh, <laughs> on World that was a recently on like Joe Rogan's podcast or whatever. Um, uh, who's played by Anthony Rapp? Enter mm, uh, Paul Stamets, chief engineer, who's very. You know, he, he's introduced in a way that again is <laughs> off putting. His line readings are all like, "You're a weirdo. You're weird. What's going on?" 
Um, Answer Ash Tyler. You know, he's. Well, uh, no, that's later oh, on. That's, that's, later that's on. much later. But we get <laughs> Tilly, okay? Uh, Saru. Saru, like I said, joint, uh, uh, was part of the crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now we've got, uh, you know, Wilson Cruz as Stamets's uh, husband yeah. on the show, uh, who's the chief medical mm-hmm. officer. And oh. the first, the first, uh, the first gay couple on Trek. Yeah. You know? So at least already you get a sense that okay, here's a Trek, and they're willing to break certain walls. They're they're willing to just, you know, just int- just just put them in. And uh, this As is not the first time. As a modern show of Trek should do, mm-hmm. if and, it's an example of you know the where. Uh, Earth culture, as Green Ma- Roddenberry always mm. wanted it to, and be. they're following in the footsteps of of the, the 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 Pine Trek, where they bring they bring in Sulu, and they just reveal it. You know what? He's it just is. It, it, just, it is. just is fine. But Stamets as a character is very strange and off putting mm. when he's first introduced. There are these weird, you know, choices. You talked about that text about the the security chief. The security chief, uh, they go aboard the other experimental vessel and everyone's been liquefied. All right. There is a monster there that uh, didn't liquefy them, but did kill the Klingons that came on board. They they do the whole aliens thing. None. They're you know, they've got to run through the corridors in the darkness and they're shooting at it with phasers and the phasers don't work. And they know that the Klingons bathlets don't work. They capture this animal. And later on, at some point, the security chief who was there on that mission goes to goes to Michael Burnham and says, "Hey, open up the cage it's in. The captain wants this for an experiment. We're going to cut off its paw." John literally too sick, she's dead. Dead. And she deserves it because that was the stupidest thing you could imagine doing given that she should have known. I don't care that it was like, well, the cat, you know, they were in a situation. The captain was ordering them to get results and, you know, they needed something from this animal to do that. It was dumb. That had nothing to do with, uh, uh, that's not a Trek issue that it's not Trek. That was, that's bad writing. You wrote that character bad. You wrote that situation bad. You wanted a shock value moment or something and you forced it. You forced, it was manufactured drama, a manufactured moment. It didn't well, come do organically. We, do we, how much more do we know about... You know the, the stuff that's been happening behind the scenes. Um, I think it shows fired, up in a fired. lot of things. Your, I think your... it does show up in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, this goes back to, um, and yet it's still able to per- to give you a product. That's what's uh, again here, here there again there there are issues. There are big issues. Let's like let's go into the Klingon thing. Okay, they tried to pull a J.J. Abrams mystery box and fumbled. Um, Vok, the character who, uh, is the Klingon, you know, uh, successor to mm-hmm. the Messiah character is played, uh, what wh- they played around with. Shazad was... Latif. Um, yes. Yeah. And here's the issue. They were like, they gave the Vok actor as a separate actor mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. They were trying to play. Oh no. See, this is not <laughs> Ash Tyler. It's like a whole different thing. And it's such a bust as a reveal. Because we get to an episode where, you know, Vo- Discovery is doing gangbusters as a, as a asset to the fleet during this war. And the Klingons are kind of like, hey, what's going on? This ship keeps showing up out of nowhere, you know, thwarting our plans. They come up with a scheme to capture the captain 
and they're going to torture him, I guess, for information or whatever. And he's in prison with another Starfleet officer. He eventually escapes with that officer. Mm-hmm. Long story short, that officer, Ash Tyler, well, what becomes a whole- member, replaces the security yeah. chief. And what do we learn eventually is, is not stock. I don't know what, <laughs> what we learn is. That's what my big question is. It's like, and you know, if it were just Stockholm syndrome. That could be interesting. That, that could that could have worked, been right? interesting. But instead, what we get is some sort of. What do we mean by that? Of, it's like basically because he was a prisoner. Uh, he was can a you trust him because he was long time. with the Klingons? The, uh, the uh, what's the name of the, the the Klingon female character? Lorel. Lorel, right? You know, who was a torturer. Yeah, tortured him, and that's it what they intimate. Oh, so she kind of sexual. There and, was some sort of sexual assault and torturing that happened to Ash Tyler, and maybe he's you know they're they're kind of like and then he gets the Klingon released. stuff will 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 affect him. That's basically that was supposed to be what they wanted to sell you. Oh well, you know when it comes to the Klingons, Ash might be not reliable. Right. He might be a little crazy when it comes to us. But what we actually learn is Bruno, <laughs> get to your get back to your post. It's okay. You were a prisoner for. Yeah, was how long, you know, and uh, you know, like, but we're, that's we're, we're understandable. Glad that you don't have the Stockholm syndrome, right? That's you're gonna fine. Be my new chief, right? And that's fine, actually. And you have to wonder what the eventual reveal about Lorca is how much he actually did or did not know about mm-hmm. that, because he, uh, we'll get to that. But the problem is, is that what is revealed is bat s crazy, strange, <laughs> and does still have potential, but it's handled terribly. Um. We learned that Ash Tyler is, in fact, the Vogue character, is the successor character for that Klingon By then, Messiah. and I'll admit, I was like, wait, what? What, exactly? Who has what? been surgically altered yeah. to uh, infiltrate the Federation yeah. f- because he had kind of lost his place as the successor and to that Messiah. And by season two, it is a constant reminder. Yeah, you know. Um, I used to be Klingon. I used to be Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, oh, and what's and worse was, is, and it's compounded because they turn him into the out of nowhere love interest for Michael Burnham. Uh, Miguel, ladies and gentlemen, Miguel and I, we have this I, now a, a terminology that we use all the time. So you're cool beans with this. Yes, yes, just just cool Everything's beans. Everything's just cool. There's beans. a lot of problems with this where it's like you guys are just cool beans with this. Okay. <laughs> uh, so. As a Trek show, it goes through a lot of the standard things, only, like I said, it's revolving around Michael Burnham more mm. than anything and her issues and, you know, as a as a mutineer, as being judged by everyone, as a human raised by Vulcans who had come out of her shell, but then has kind of gone back into her shell. She sort of retreated into the logic and stuff, the, the, the teachings, the logical philosophies of the Vulcans as kind of a protected protection for the situation that she's, she's had in. to anchor herself back because yeah. she's at this point, very lost. Right. And uh, her, her mother, a mentor figure is dead, is dead. She's looking at or she's looking, is she <laughs> as it, she's looking at, a, it's still being, you know, still having to go through even once the war is over. Mm, yeah. You know, it's like, well, once the war's over, I'm and Lorca does no more use for me here. Mm. I'm still going back to whatever facility. I'm still going to prison mm. for a while. Yeah. Um And then she's got to deal with these weirdo characters on the Discovery. I mean, Stamets, who is very strange for a while and off-putting. I'm sorry, I know you like Cadet Tilly. But there is this sort of extremism Here's, of putting her. Are we oh, getting to the likes? Are we, gonna, are we getting gonna, to likes at this point? 
Okay. So we've got the natural sort of like, well, we've got the closed off, you know, Vulcan raised human. Let's give her the wacky, over the top, really enthusiastic cadet as her roommate. And, you need, and here's my here's my criticism, like um, of, of what you're saying. You need a character like her. You but do not need a, a character not, like that. Again, there's a difference between having it turned up to eleven and having it at a nice <laughs> solid eight. Tilly is up to an eleven, and it doesn't make any sense. In fact, this is the issue with a lot of these characters, where. Again, forget Trek. Forget Trek. Make this generic sci-fi show number 378. Okay, I'm going to throw that you back at you. You would not have in any way, shape, or form a, believe a that entire... Tilly would have made it through training to be out in space. A science much fiction environment that travels on space fungus. And you're complaining about this one character that's that's bringing up to 11. And it's not Wait, to say you're that... saying that as though I accepted the space fungus, which by the way, which by the way, again goes to the you know, like the, the creative process where I'm going like what was that what was that pitch in the writers room? Like John, like like you tell me. What was the the pitch was like, hey, "All right, we're writing the new Star Trek Discovery. All right, I need some ideas. Let's come up with some ideas. What are we doing? What's the basis of this show?" Hey, um, let's um it should be that they're that they are coming up with a a new system of transportation. That'd be tactically, you know, advanced. Yes, yeah, the good. Let's put that up on the board. All right. Um, what is the basis of this transportation? What are we doing? Is it going to be wormholes? Is it going to be something we don't know? Something with subspace? I know. <laughs> Space fungus. <laughs> Let's make it about mold. <laughs> mold. Mold. Really? Mold. That's the stupidest idea I've that's, ever heard in my. That's the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my life. Mold. You're gonna make this about mold. That's dumb. Green light. All right. No. Wait. All right. Fungus mushrooms. That's genius. Mold would have been dumb, but fungus. No, you've got something there. Uh, you know, you're saying that as though I accept that already, and I would. And again, that's it's, a funky concept, regardless of, it's of not, Trek. It's you know? not for lack of performance either. You know, and uh, um, I, you, you let me know when you want to get into the characters. Okay, well, we're not talking about the characters or, or, or our likes about. All right, okay, so we get into this essentially that that is the whole huge, you know, thrust of the of the, the, the first season of, okay, Discovery is the secret weapon of, of the Federation in this fight against the Klingons. The Klingons have an agent aboard Discovery, <laughs> uh, and um, everything is moving kind of smoothly. It's kind of like standard Trek, and then we get to the middle of the first season and the departure <laughs> point... And we find out that dum, the captain dum, dum. of the Discovery, which is a very well done thing, by the way, um, although online there were a lot of fans who were kind of like, it was one of these things where I would watch an episode and then because I hadn't kept up with the, the crosstalk, I was like, what, what did people say about it? And the fans called this. It was very strange. For whatever reason, they called both of them, <clears> but one reveal is better than the other. The Voke Tyler reveal is handled poorly. But the Lorca stuff is handled great because this is the thing. I was watching the show and I was going, there are only really two characters. I don't even re particularly like Michael Burnham all that much. I think there are some issues with Martin Green's performance that it, it, I think there's a poor conception all around. But I loved Mr. Saru, who is a fantastic character, and I really liked Lorca. I said, I like this. He's Dark Kirk. That's what's going on here. I didn't realize... How? how much Dark Kirk he really was. And the big reveal. 
Lorca is not Lorca, at least not the Lorca from that universe. We get into some mirror universe action. Lorca is in fact his counterpart from the mirror universe who, if via an accident, had replaced the Lorca or killed him. They're very opaque about what that is, <laughs> how that happened. And he is using the discovery and the war with the Klingons to essentially what he wants is he wanted his Michael Burnham back. He was in an affair with his universe's Michael Burnham, who is dead, and now he figures, I'll just pick up the one from... And now, and all of the, the, the pieces fall into place. Yeah. And everyone's It's like, you realize, that's why he wanted her on board the ship. That's why he was doing this. That's why that was happening. And then the big O... Oh, hey, Miguel. Mm -hmm. I'm from the mirror universe. You're really, you're really... From where I come from... Yes. My my Miguel Velez is dead. Kills Michael. Uh, kills Joe, Joe Rogan, Rogan and, and becomes has his king, own podcast. king of the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, you get into this sort of like like storyline, which the mirror universe is a big thing in Trek, you know. And now it's involved with discoveries in the mirror universe, and Lorca's plan is revealed. But you of all people, yeah. And we get You're a welcome. return of Michelle Yeoh, who we find out. Captain Georgiou <laughs> in the mirror universe is the emperor of the Terran Empire. Okay. <laughs> uh, you, trek writers, you Trek writers have something about Asian women being the emperor, being the of, the emperor the of the mirror, mirror universe. Because <laughs> Emperor Hoshi Sato oh, of Enterprise fame. It all ends in this sort of big action, like three or four episode long like trek into that's the, not bad into it's not, the it's not necessarily a bad thing and no 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 <laughs> it actually works like i said the lorca stuff mm. works it's 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 very impactful action-packed um it is a huge part of saying well what does the federation stand for because one of these sub sort of some, one of the things in the air with the war against the Klingons in the standard Trek universe <laughs> is what are we willing to do in this war? And I'll tell you what they were willing to do. What, the crew of Discovery, then, you know, finally they decide we're going to go into the mirror universe and we got to we got to make things right. And what did they do? All battle stations. Everyone, we're we're gonna we're gonna change everything. Yeah, there are this it's like it's like we're, we're here gotta, in the mirror universe, so we've gotta make everything gotta look make like the, ISS style. Okay, so, we gotta put some new decals on the outside of the yeah, discovery. Yeah, and they do it in like a day. <laughs> <laughs> like like new new numbers, new this, new that, everyone's got Chilly, the uniform. Do you get your do you know what you do you, uh, uh, have you rehearsed your lines? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, you know, punch it, me in the face, that whole thing. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so it's a whole okay, and but that's really done, it's actually quite entertaining. And but then it ends right it ends with well we, hey um we found our way out of the universe we can blah 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 whatever the specifics are but the we end of it is the end of it is is that <laughs> instead of leaving the emperor michelle yo's character who was being usurped by Lorca, the jason isaac's character michael burnham cannot stand to see this woman another version of this woman whom she felt that she failed die again. So instead of letting her go out in a blaze of glory, she's literally, the, the emperor is literally like taking guys out with phasers left and right. And they're like, we, we got to get you out of there, Michael. We, we're beaming you. And she grabs her and brings her on board the discovery. And then the discovery jets out of the mirror universe. And so now suddenly 
Everyone's the emperor cool of the Terran unit, the emperor of the Terran Empire is just on board Discovery. And then, as the story progresses to the end of how they end the Klingon story, she's just left of her own recognizance. They're just like, <laughs> oh, hey, emperor of the Terran universe. Yeah, you're free to go. Just, you know, live your life. And, even and then, everyone like, is cool beans with it. <laughs> and then uh, it seems as if Starfleet makes a deal with her. They make a deal with her, and it's like... Um, they use her eventually yeah. to try and end the Klingon conflict, Listen, right? we're going to offer you a job. Goes, yeah. Okay? Just promise that you're not going to take over this universe. Try to universe. take over the universe. We're going to offer you a job. <laughs> Hear me out. That's exactly, John, yeah. Hear me out, your highness. Yeah. Section 31. Well, that's, what do you say that about That gets that? revealed later. Yes, I know, that's, but That's still, second season. It is that sort of thing, right? Think about it. <laughs> now, the thing is that at the end of it all, you know, well, they they managed to help the Klingons by helping them do exactly what they want, unite their houses, and they give control over to like, oh, we're going to put a bomb in your planet, and you know whoever controls the bomb can get the Klingons together, end this war. That's what happens. There's an armistice signed. And it ends with Michael Burnham being, you know, restored. being, being restored to her mm -hmm. rank, and everyone on Discovery is honored for their service in you know time of war and averting this issue. Saru yada, yada. is by de facto um, sort of given his captainship of yeah, the he's other, given, but he's, he's acting captain, acting captain. And she gives this speech at Starfleet headquarters or a Starfleet thing in Paris. It's it's unclear that you it's Paris where the accords is signed between the Klingons and the Federation. Uh, but I don't know if it's that's not Starfleet Paris headquarters has always been. Yeah, Paris Accords, exactly. And uh, they, you know, Starfleet headquarters is often in San Francisco, so I, I can't tell where it was exactly. What's important is, is that she gives this speech, John, that sums up the fans' issues with the show. Because everyone's like, this is a dark show. It's too dark for Trek. These characters. And I kept going, no, you're, you're misidentifying the issues. The problems are dialogue writing some of these characters, some of these concepts and ideas, but it has nothing to do with whether this is Trek or not because the end of it is she says, we are Starfleet. We are the Federation. Here are the ideals that we live by. I was in tears, John. Tears. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I don't know if it's the the political climate we live in. I don't know if it's the everything that's been going on in the world since 9-11, but this was a... Everything about the show was about what are your ideals and what are you willing to to risk for them? What are you not willing to risk for them? When do they bend? When do they break? And her character, it was all about how she thought in the beginning of the series, we got to give the Klingons a bloody nose, practicality above all, who cares about the ideals, you know? And at the end, it was all about her affirming the ideals of the Federation. And that was, I thought that was good. I thought that on balance, the show was good and exciting and engaging. And you're never bored. The, it's not Enterprise. It's not Voyager. Those were boring does it, shows. This is not boring. Does it, it unify the fans? No, because <laughs> they are they are caught up on the this <clears> idea. <throat> well, it's the dark trick. I don't like it. And there are a lot of things. There are huge continuity issues. There are huge issues of like, oh, well, you're doing this, but we know from past Trek shows they couldn't do that. Or the simple fact of what's the what's the what's driving discovery? This fungus drive thing, right? 
Well, we know they're not using it in the 24th century. We know that they're not using it in it. Something had to go wrong with this. Okay, why are you introducing this thing that can't ever, that we know continuity-wise isn't going to go anywhere? Well, for one thing, for yeah. one thing to have, um, you're going to have to rely on a willing test subject slash pilot slash chief, uh, chief engineer who, who, who's willing to go, like throughout most of the entire season, the yeah. first season, Okay, you ready to go? Okay, I'm gonna slip into the the this the, chamber the, the, the here chamber and get these probes attached and to pro myself attap and attach you, and it's gonna alter because all that monster, John, that monster I talked about <clears throat> that killed the security chief. They start going like it's the key to making the drive work, <laughs> but they're using it so much they're like again the classic Shrekism. Wow, we need to end this war. This this. This experiment is what's going to help do that. If every Federation ship can do this, we, yeah, we're, we're, we're done in a second. But in order to make it work, we need this monster who they never explain where it came from <laughs> or how they found out or how, oh, let's hook this up to but the, fact be the that, navigation. The very computer. fact that, like, because Stamets, like, when he uses the drive, when well, he, when how he does engages that happen it, is it because is that they, have this, they have this moral <laughs> quandary of can we use this creature like this and use it up and almost kill it? And so they decide to free it, but instead they inject their chief engineer <laughs> with its DNA so he can do the same thing, which is an illegal But every time thing. he uses it, it's like as if it's alter reality. It alters yeah, reality yeah, for he's, him. He's and on he's LSD. Like, it's the show. Oh, man. I see everything. Oh, there's my dead husband. I see him. He's alive. Yeah, you know, that whole it's thing, all this you know? time. I'm hooked into this other world. I can see things no one but, else can see. It's not for lack of performances, you know. I think the 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 the, the performances are really solid. Uh, let's start with Doug Jones, who plays Saru. You love him. You I love have, Saru because the show pulled the rug under at me with Lorca, where I was kind of like, "This is the one guy on the show I like." Oh, he's evil. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> thank you, thank you, show. What does that say about me? But then, right up there was Saru. And Saru's character is like this weird, he's Data he's and Spock in reverse. He's a Kelpian and their species um, uh, from where he comes from, he's, they At start by saying learned, he's, the, the, he's the last one of his kind, right? No, no, no. Didn't he say that? No, you didn't see, you, didn't you watch the Yes, yeah, I know, two? but, 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 but. He says he was the, season no, one. he only says, he's not the last of his kind. He said that he was the only member of his species in the Federation. Okay, in the Federation. So he comes from a species where they are they are the prey, or they they lived out. Your most killer of be their, killed, and yeah. his people were the people who were the prey, and he is everything. He he functions on fear, right? Even down to the way he walks, and uh, so he so their species have developed this ability to sense danger. Danger and death is they are like, that's yeah. our shit. We, you know, if it comes up to us and it's not. And what's good about it is, is that it's not done in a way that you would think it is. He's a brave character. He's a smart character. He isn't ruled by his fears, mm. but he is like, no, this informs my worldview. Like there's a great sequence where you see where it works, where it's like, oh, Lorca and Tyler are escaping from the Klingons, but they're escaping in a Klingon vessel. So there's Klingon vessels coming at Discovery. They don't know which one has, has got Lorcan on it. And he looks at it and he goes, the pattern of how they're doing this. That one, they're afraid. The way they're flying, that's the captain. He's escaped. Ba, 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 ba. They use it very, very, very well. And Doug Jones just gives this performance that is like so heartfelt, 
so wonderful, so pure. Well, Doug Jones is no, he's no stranger, he's no stranger to Ape Sapien, uh, Hellboy, Hellboy Pan's Labyrinth, the Shape of Water. Water. He's worked with, you know, GDT, uh, Guillermo del Toro a lot. Um, he was on that, uh, Falling Sky show. Mm. Uh, and he just fits in perfectly the Trek. He is this, he is the Spock data character that other that you can't help but love and enjoy and see what he's doing. And just the cool, his design is amazing. The makeup is amazing. Everything Doug Jones brings to this character is top notch. I um, have nothing bad to one say. Of my favorite, one of my favorite um, uh, characters is the Paul Stamets, you know, again, because of... Notice he goes through a change, which I think is indicative of the behind the scenes stuff. His, when Stamets shows up, you're kind of like, who is this a-hole? Mm -hmm. And then they inject him with the DNA and he's like, hey man, no, it's all cool. It's fine. I know how to stick up my ass before, but all, all right. Um, well, he, the, the, but, but let's take the, you know, flat out his, uh, his, his uh, relationship with his husband. Right. Again, one of the, uh, the first Star Trek gay couple on a TV, TV series, yeah. right? And the love story that he has with his husband, who ends up dying in the first season, but later on they bring him out bring him back in the second Star season. Star Trek. I was so enraptured and so moved by their by their relationship, by the loss of of the relationship, you know. And I didn't even bat an eyelash. Um and that's very telling for someone like me. Um maybe it's because I didn't I wasn't really exposed to uh, to these certain things, to these certain elements, uh, up until, you know, when I was in college. And so, um, just seeing first time through my eyes, a gay couple and their, the, not only their romance, but also. They're the primary romance on the show. You see so more moving. of them kissing. Than any, like, than probably like half a dozen times in the first season. Then Michael Burnham, she doesn't have, a, you know, she kisses Tyler like twice or something like that's a guy that like you, let's put it this way. You go, I totally buy these two guys, these two dudes in their relationship. I don't, I don't know what's going <laughs> what's on so here with Michael Burnham and this guy. This is so dumb. It's stupid. It's forced. But yeah, but at the same time, but yeah, like him being uh, uh, an a-hole jerk from the get-go and also the, the, the other a-hole jerk engineer that they, that they meet later on. Yeah. You know, that's two a-holes like, meeting and but, causing a singularity yeah. of a-holeness that uh, <laughs> collapses upon its a-holeness. But yeah, he he, he becomes like a star, very, yeah. he becomes a favorite of mine. Uh, and yeah, you have you and I have differences about Tilly. I feel that someone like her, yes, she can be very off-putting, but I like the I like her sense of um, naivete, excitement. But also, hold on, but also, no, don't, don't make faces. I'm please. making faces. You can keep going. Um, Let me make my faces. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not interrupting. But also that there, because she's the junior officer, those, there, there are those moments where, um, especially there's one episode where she feels like she's being possessed mm -hmm. by a ghost. Yes. Okay. Right. And, but in, but in fact, it's like, I'm going out of my mind. Someone please help me, you know? Okay. Uh, and I felt very, um, uh, uh, very sympathetic to that, to, to that, to, to her character. Okay. But all right, you know, I, I, I find her again, her Stamets, the early goings with Stamets, it was, they were like, you're already, you're already having a problem because you're, 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 
It's new Trek. It's going to be under a microscope, right? Ease people into these, make these characters, but they were just like, no, we're going to go out of way to make these characters unlikable or weird or strange. We're it, and that that was a that was a recipe to make people like not like the show. I mm. think. Whereas I look, I said, no, the problems are that, not that they're doing things that you don't like with Trek or there are continuity issues. Um, and an exa exa example is uh, uh, the Ash Tyler character, mm -hmm. who's this, just, uh, you know, well, I guess we got to get him involved in a, in, a, in a love triangle with Burnham. And I want you to know, as Burnham is the central character, we haven't really talked, we talked about her, the setup for her, how she gets on Discovery. Mm -hmm. What have we talked? We have we have we talked about Michael Burnham as a character and how they develop her through the series. Everything no, is because... on paper. I even feel that Martin Green's line readings again hold her back, hold back the character because I think that there was an overarching directive. No, on but, set but then again, but I to think, say, but it's... be weird, be strange, be off. I think it's very and they confused strange and weird for engaging and interesting. But I think it's very purpose, purposefully um, it's purposefully designed that her character, we're supposed to see everything through her eyes, you know. And um, she's a human being thrust into a weird alien culture uh, or things that, are just kind of strange. No, no, I get that that was you know, what they were she's going the air, for. She's the every yes, man, every person for that. Yes, that's what they were going right, for. Know. Even the whole problem I have with sort of the awkwardness of her line readings, mm. it's going for, well, she was raised by Vulcans and now she's in an emotional tailspin and so she's kind of taking refuge in the Vulcan philosophies and approach. And so that explains why she kind of talks the way she because does after in all, stilted, awkward manner. But the very but, fact that she, but that her speech makes you cry. Yeah. At the end, you know, yeah. is, is very telling about, well, what does it but mean for all not, of us who are, who are horror Trek fans, wait, even though, even though we can't agree on certain things, yeah, you, know? yeah. you and I barely agree on, on certain things yeah. sometimes. Right. But, um, well, that's not true. <laughs> you know? but, but okay. Going it's so, it sort of has it like it was very awkward, a lot of big growing pains, and then we get into the next season, right? Answer season two. All right. As, <laughs> this is a shout out to um, a, a friend of mine, and I would call him a friend on superhero hype, who goes under the the screen name Perfect Cell. Who he was also like you saying, you got to watch this show, Miguel. You got to watch this show. You know, you got to watch it. Uh, I we started talking back and forth on after I ever finished Discovery, and he says. Yeah, it was about a 50-50 the first season, he says. But there's something about its finale, he says, which like shattered me. And he said something along the lines, it was uh, engineered in a lab to destroy me emotionally. <laughs> and I agreed because not only does the speech she give at the end brought me to tears. For whatever reason, I might be emotionally unstable. That might be really what we're, we're going to learn here. Is that I'm going to be I'm going to be locked up in the same insane asylum that Spock is in the in season two. But that ends with and John. It's so it's cheap. It's such a cheap shot. It's such an easy way to reel in the Trek fans. But it worked. Where it's like, well, uh, Captain Saru. Oh, I'm acting captain. We're going to go and pick up our new captain at some point. Uh, we're taking Sarek back to Vulcan. Oh, hey, hey. Captain, we've got We've got incoming. an incoming transmission. It's very spotty. Uh, but let's But it's a Federation ship. We have what's a, it, do, you, do, do, you, do you have its identification numbers up? Uh, coming up on the screen now. 
N C C one seven. It's Constitution class. It's the Enterprise. And ends with that music, so it's like. You can't leave me at the end of yeah. Dangling that carrot. Dangling that carrot. <laughs> I'm like, even if I hated the whole season and I didn't hate the whole you season. Can't the show, you can't stop now. You can't stop now. The show did win me over on so many levels. It looks great. There are some really good characters. It's engaging and interesting, even for all the things that are kind of like, what? You go, and then Enterprise. <laughs> really? Season two comes along. And it's, uh, hey, everybody. <laughs> so I'm Captain Ca Pike. It's Captain Pike. I'll be the new commanding so officer. Like, uh, and and he's got, he's got, he's got the, he's got the golden the, uniform. The Enterprise has been, there's something happened to the Enterprise where it was disabled. <laughs> and he's on a mission. And basically, he's like, you know, I'm taking over. I'm taking over command of the ship. You don't have an act. I'm, you know, Dude, well, what's the explanation for that? What happened to the Enterprise? That's what I want to know. Because uh, well, it had to do with those red burst things that they were. Following. Okay, so okay. the convenience of the narrative is: yes. <laughs> is hey, listen, uh, I can get my ship. Like you know, like I can't start up my ship. Yeah, basically, you guys but, got jumper um, cables or something. So you know, Starfleet just said that like I can't just take over. You know, and so while Pike's standard crew aboard the Enterprise tows Enterprise back to space dock to get its systems all rejiggered and everything, and I guess get re redetailing on the outside and give it a new car smell again. He's now, well, I'm taking over Enterprise, I'm taking over Discovery. And uh, Anson Mount stars as An Christopher Pike. Yeah. And Anson this is Mount very cool right. because we never really ever got to know Pike. Right? Asi he well, aside from, yeah, aside, from, exactly. <laughs> aside from the, the Chris Pine movie, and Into Darkness, uh, played by Bruce Greenwood. Right, yeah. You know, but we never saw him book. as, yeah, as really as the, as the, so, <laughs> and Mount's good. He's like, he's, he's the, and they For also, you and human fans that are out there, if there are any. There, for the TV version, he played Black Bolt on the, yeah, on he the, played on the Black on Bolt. humans. But, so he comes on board, right? And it is completely and totally understandable that they would try and say, well, we got to differentiate him from Lorca. Mm -hmm. But they've almost gone overboard in like, well, Lorca they, was the dark, it, crazy one, right? He's the one that, you know, didn't follow the rules and this blah, 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 and all these other things. And Pike comes on and is like, hey, everybody, well, for don't a, be worried. It's all cool. First and foremost, the appearance, he looks like Jeffrey Hunter. The he original looks great. Pike. He, he looks, looks great. great. Perfect. He's perf got the hair, perfect the perfect hair. hair. He's he's the perfect captain. He is in that Kirk mode. They're making him like, yeah. but the thing is, as soon as he shows up, <laughs> it kind of feels like the way they intro him that he's like, he's the cool substitute teacher. <laughs> it's very, it's right, very everybody. much that. He's like, all right, everybody, uh, uh, sound off here on the bridge. And they're right. like, what? Everybody, like, take your books. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to throw, throw them out. out the window. Okay. Today we're in doing fact, our class outside. We're going to go outside. We're going to let nature teach us. <laughs> take, and he's like, take, just, your, take your Starfleet insignias. Hold them up. Hold them up. Now throw them away. Throw them up. Before you do, let me make my speech. Oh, by the way, you guys are looking at my service uh, record. My, oh, my you're service looking at record. my service record. Oh. <laughs> Isn't it kind of funny? See, I got an F and 
I got an F in uh, astrodynamics, and I'm just like you guys, man. I'm struggling. I put my I put my pants on. There won't on. be any grades. No homework. No homework. He's very much in that. He's like he's like no ranks on the bridge. Just sound off. Tell me who you are. Where you're from, man. What's going on? It's, it's, very, it's like if he it's like if he came into the classroom and wrote his name up on the door. I am Mr. Christopher Pike. Yeah. But please don't call me professor. Call me Chris. Call me Chris. He's <laughs> just so, but he works. He's really, he's almost an overcompensation for Lorca. And they are now on a mission where there are these weird transmissions that are going around the um, space. There are the appearance of these red bursts. And there's this quote unquote red angel that is showing up at these places and they're trying to figure out what, what they're doing. And eventually the, it's all, Oh, Spock had visions of these things. And he seems to have either been driven crazy by them, something along those lines, he's being accused of murder and he's on the run. And so this brings up Sonequa Martin Green's Burnham character, her relationship with Spock. What does all of that mean? Um, and I have to say, second season is running on pretty good uh, cylinders. Another bit of um, uh, stunt casting. They um, they they named. They were like, "Oh yeah, we're going to cast number one, her number one, who was Wait, originally played by Mitchell Barrett." You mean by number one for Pike for Pike from the original pilot? Uh, originally played by Mitchell Barrett, and they casted um, uh, Rebecca Romaine, which you, you you weren't aware of. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm in." But then it's two. She's a two, there for two minutes and she's gone. Two minutes and she's gone. Okay. Now the it does seem to be working. You know they are now really thoroughly integrated by the seventh episode of the second season. Spock's there. He has to be part of the plot going forward from this mid-season break, and that'll be interesting. You see, I my you know my joke, and I'm going to go to tell this joke. Please let me do the joke in its full. Is that I understand. Some people being annoyed about Michael Burnham being Spock's adopted sister that up until this point we've never heard of. Here's the thing about Spock, though, in in the lore of Trek. Um, that dude did not reveal anything to anyone about his background. Kirk is Kirk and McCoy are supposed to be his good friends. Hell, Kirk is his commanding officer. He should have seen the files. And yet. Well, we're at uh, we're here. We are at uh, Journey to Babel. Here we are uh, at uh, visiting Vulcan. Hey, Spock, since we're here uh, and we've picked up the ambas- the Vulcan ambassador and his wife, why don't you go down to the planet surface and meet your parents for a while there? You know, that is unnecessary, Captain. And why is that? The ambassador and his wife are my parents. Dun, 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 dun. Dun. Okay, like three weeks later, <laughs> who is that on the view string, Mister Spock? She's beautiful. That is to bring my, my wife. Okay, into the future. You know, it's like, why didn't you shoot him, Spock? I cannot. I cannot shoot him. You. I cannot shoot my brother. I know the man's a fellow bro- Vulcan, Spock, but I can't. No, you don't understand, Cybok is also <laughs> my brother. Is also my brother. That's impossible. You can't have a brother because I happen to know that you don't have a brother. <laughs> that is correct. I do not have a brother. See? 
I have a half brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay, at this point, nothing Spock reveals would be surprising. If if him and Kirk were ordered Chinese food one night and like he had like it's a like twenty a... minute conversation with the guy delivering the the, the Chinese food and Kirk was Spock, Spock what was that? what's going on Spock, here? Spock, no, it's like, Spock, you were having a long conversation with that guy who delivered the Chinese food. What was up with that? That man is my son. <laughs> it, it wouldn't so the idea that there that, is an adopted that, human half sister whatever for that Spock. plumber is my uncle. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it might you, you know it's why you know it's like so hey Spock you really tipped that uh, taxi cab driver really well. That man was my college roommate. <laughs> it so okay, Michael Burnham as this brand new thing unleashed into the Trek lore. There's precedent, Trek fans. <laughs> Let's not pretend that they didn't pull stuff out of their ass like this all the Well, one time. thing that they that has no precedent is um, uh, the reveal of Spock. It's, he has Vulcan dyslexia. <laughs> yeah. We're not, and we're not joking. We're, we're not, not joking, joking John. John. We're not joking. Apparently, Spock suffered from Vulcan dyslexia as a child. Don't know uh, in that, like. And that their. The, uh, the Pine movie, right? No, 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 no. no. So, like yeah, but they showed him getting picked on. They so never talked about uh, this. Right like now, it's at story. episode seven, right? And they finally, we finally get to see Spock after a full season of of the first season, and then now you're in season two, up to the seventh episode. We're like, where's Spock? Finally, Michael Burnham finally finds her brother after like five or six false starts where you go like is Spock beaming on board right. and, oh and no here, and here's a, this there is instead. now there it really is a search for Spock why because he's a fugitive um because he's the 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 the, the uh the he's uh, having the, the, he's having start like have there been <laughs> the, the, well, Starfleet is like no you know we need we need to talk to him we need to we need to, we need to get him. him he he seemed to have months before this red angel and these things started appearing in the skies, he plotted them out. But then he asked for leave, went crazy, and he's up uh, there like, oh, he's on board. There, he's wanted for murder for escaping the psychiatric facility that he mm. was put into. Now we know that Spock didn't murder anyone. We know that Spock's going to be absolved of these crimes. Yeah, but it's sort of a mystery. How is that working on? And then we have a whole thing where we learned that Michelle Yeoh's character is now working for Section Thirty One. Ash Tyler, you the Ash Tyler me. slash Klingon guy, is also working for Section Thirty One. It's convoluted on, and hold forced. On. <laughs> hold on, uh, Starfleet brass says, "No, you guys are going to work together." You know, Chris Pike. Section 31, you guys are old buddies. You guys got to Yeah, we're going to coordinate your out, efforts coordinate. here. Coordinate. Uh, you're going to have Tyler as your a, liaison. As your from liaison, Section 31. you know. So he hangs out right now and he's, and you're like, okay, <laughs> everyone's cool again, beans. For, again, forced. Don't get me wrong. It's exciting as heck and it's like, it's entertaining. This is as the heck. weird part. There are definitely things in this show that there's a lot of almost CW esque force. Like, again, when it's revealed that. Ash Tyler is really evoke this Klingon who should have been the leader of the Klingons, right? Now somehow he got transformed into a human and he fell in love with Michael Burnham. Their relationship was already forced, but then like his conditioning breaks at some point during a key port of the mission and it's revealed to her and he tries to kill her, right? They kind of sort him back out where they put the human personality in control again, but he remembered all the other things. 
she comes to him at some point and everyone says everyone kind of says to her oh you know michael feels really bad he uh, i'm sorry ash feels really bad he kills the chief engineer's husband right <laughs> huge thing <laughs> Um, and they're all like, you know, Michael, you really should see Ash. He's feeling, he's all broke up on the inside since learning that he's really a Klingon. <laughs> and she understandably is like, I don't want to go see this guy. Did I mention that he almost killed me at one point? Plus I feel emotionally manipulated. I don't know what was real or not in this situation, but she decides to go see him and he, for whatever reason, feels like all like hey i really feel like I, I really feel a little uh antagonism here about you you know the whole klingon thing and she tells him it's like you're trying to make me feel guilty you almost killed me but you're like hey maybe we can make a go at it again i'll always <laughs> it's terrible writing it's bad writing it's really it's forced there's a lot of that sort of like and maybe it has to do with the pacing of the each episode, because like I said, they get into it. Mm. They get the story rolling and moving around, but you don't feel there's enough, like sometimes substance for certain things like that. Or, or at the end of it, it seems to be a lot of fire and fury signifying nothing because it's beautiful to look at. It's again, it's engaging, it's fast paced, but then it's like, okay, now we got to get back to the, whatever the main part of the story is. And you know, well, you like know, the last ten minutes are the Michael Burnham speech. Let's forward the mega arc sort of thing, and you're going like, oh. Well, again, okay. it's at it's at uh, uh, episode seven. Uh, it's already been renewed for a third season. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I it asked apparently this, is doing very well and overseas. I, and I asked this, I asked this question to you. I said, well, how do you com make compare? How do you compare to DS Nine, Voyager? Enterprise. We already kind of know the answer to yeah, that. Yeah, it's right? better. You know, it is better than the entire run of Enterprise. It is better than the entire run of DS Nine. I'm not not DS Nine. Sorry, Voyager. no, not uh, Voyager. <laughs> DS Nine, not even. Yeah, um, it's better than Voyager and it's better than Enterprise. DS Nine is not even what. Uh, no, no, that that. In other words, I made a mistake uh, in, in speaking. DS Nine is a fantastic show. Oh, okay. Um, I thought you were saying that it doesn't. It's not even Star Trek at this point. <laughs> that and that's the thing. It is. It, they they go through it. There are just some problems. There are things like, okay, we get it that it's Michael Burnham centric, and therefore it's more. Everyone is. It's not an ensemble that you get to know everyone in the crew. But like I told you, man, oh man, that bridge crew of the USS Discovery. They know how to do a meaningful look. <laughs> Like six times an episode, these background characters do one of these like, it's like, we just got pulled out of warp. There's a giant orb in front of us. I wonder if that's when you just <laughs> like, you know, they give, when you brought they give everyone a look and it's like, we don't you, know these characters. You reminded really, me. You reminded just doing me. Their, there's, there's also an aspect of they want to be lauded for their diversity. But they don't but, really get into it. But it almost comes down as tokenism because it's the bridge crews like we have the one Asian guy, we have the black guy at ops, we've got the white redhead You've girl, got the ro we've got the, the robo, black, the got robo the black officer, we got a robo officer. It's all like, but they're not developed. But I wonder. I wonder if it's and a lot of the second because season. because obviously you can tell that you know this is a, a show that was created by fans also. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, and uh, the you, you when you were reminding me of like they're just looking at things. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm. 
I feel like I am doing what they were doing on the animated show. Where it's like, it's like I'm just no, going to pan excuse. over here. A, an we're homage gonna... <laughs> to the animated show is not an excuse for that. I'm just saying. I'm just that saying. They, you know? they, and they also have this sort of thing where it doesn't make, like it would be one thing if like say, oh, well, here are the background characters. They give meaningful glances every once in a while, but that's fine. No, that's, they are wasting certain things. The helmsman on the ship the 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 uh, the red-haired girl who's the helmsman uh, uh Demet Demeter is again I don't know the names the, of the them the one with the with the, the cyber thing she served with Michael Burnham mm. on the Shenjo she should have been a huge part of the whole like oh I'm bringing you aboard Discovery Lorca bringing over Discovery and oh the, the crew doesn't like you they could have developed her there they have an episode with Pike where we have the na the black um African navigator mm. right and they're like, well, we're at this planet, and hey, we've got the prime directive is in order. We, it's kind of weird. They don't have any technology, and they say, well, hey, Helmsman, I forget her name again because he hasn't been developed enough. Helmsman, what's her name? Well, she used to live with a with neo luddites. She knows this a culture of how to live without any technology in the modern sense whatsoever. For modern, for you know, discovery. Let's bring her with the landing party. Great, we'll get to learn some. Nope. They don't do anything with her. They, they don't do anything to explain the philosophy of this that, that you could have done. So there are some issues, but I think they are slowly. This is, it, well, again, the behind-the-scenes stuff because you can see they are using more of those background characters. We've got the whole robot girl, right? That Yeah, where well, there's something going on there. Which, and let's get into the uh, a fan speculation because you have tachyons. Time travel. We know that this red angel is uh, possibly time they've traveling. They somehow uploaded something into that robo officer on the there's bridge. A, there's a, there's there's something going you on know. with a time rift, and maybe um, that's a subplot are we with the see, Borg or something. Thank you. Are we going to see something like I that? I think that I think that there are two things. I if there's time travel involved, Spock is specifically stated in the on the show to have. Well, he was heading towards the Mutara sector. And you, it passed you by, but my ears went, whoa, John, the Mutara sector is where the Mutara Nebula is, which is the place where Kirk and Khan had their battle in Star Trek II. It the is Mutara, the place the Nebula. where Spock dies. If we're dealing with time travel or whatever, could Spock have been driven insane? Mm -hmm. by the foreknowledge of his <clears throat> death, right? On top of that, he's repeating these numbers and what Michael Burnham learns after applying the knowledge of Vulcan dyslexia yeah. to the stuff that Spock is saying is like, Spock keeps saying these numbers. Oh, they're reversed they're, in his they're mind. They're coordinates to They're coordinates to Talos for the planet where mm. Christopher Pike is destined to live the rest of his life out. And which, uh, which became the one place that had a death sentence in it, mm. but that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, right. So there's this sort of like, are we going to merge? Yeah, foreshadowing, but are we going to merge or, yeah, all timelines? Right. Are we going to get something from the future? Because again, I, like I said, the original conception for the show was an anthology, a, a anthology of that of followed timelines. things and then went into the yeah. beyond the future. So, like, what happens if, let's say, and I'm, I'm asking you, like, well, what? how would you feel if, let's say, here I am on this planet. I don't know the name of it, but I see my I see like uh, my corpse in this in this you know thing because maybe there's like a singular there's sort of a um, a, a one place where time converges, okay. and it's like 
Well, I guess I'm gonna. Ha I, there's only one thing that I can do. I can revive him using such and such <laughs> spores. Yeah. Those things revive oh, things oh, oh, all the oh, time. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Because you know? <laughs> the magic mushrooms on the show have become the new ultimate MacGuffin. <laughs> They've brought the Doctor back to life. <laughs> the dead Doctor. The dead Doctor. Not the one that yeah. the one that the Klingon who was not a Klingon killed. Um, where do I see? I don't know. I. I hope I'm right about the whole foreshadowing of the death. Oh thing. yeah, uh, it would be interesting just because it's like that's you just can't thing. drop those. Yeah, and that kind of like, hint. Yeah. Um, I also want to know like what is the issue with this red angel because it's kind of like so far it's not malevolent. We, we yeah it we've seen drips and drabs. It's very mech. It has it's very mecha. I think from if you look at if yeah. you watch the, the opening theme. And I'm like, yeah, what is this? So it's going, it's doing these strange things, mm -hmm. but the, it's the saving, Ash Tyler's it's character saving points lives, out, you know, he does point out and, and altering the course of civilizations. Mm -hmm. He points out though, he says, well, you know, section 31's point of view on this is what happens when this power is turned against us. Yeah. So far, we're more than happy to be following it around, even act as its cat's paw mm -hmm. in some, in some stages because they let us here and we did this. So it wanted us to do this good thing. But he's like, well, what happens when it appears over Earth somewhere and le has led someone else to do something that upends our world? What is going on? Well, Chris says, <laughs> hey, I understand your reservation. I really do. But what do you really feel? How do you feel? How man? do you really feel? How do you feel about this? And again, there are no grades here. There are no grades here, man. <laughs> this is fine. Let's look, look, look. This isn't about Chris rank. Look, I feel that Starfleet is a lot like our moms and dads, <laughs> right? Okay, we all want to live up to their expectations, but we can't be bound by their rules. All right, I'm gonna Professor, I'm going to take off my, my boots here, and we're going to sit cross-leg you know style in my captain's chair, and let's just wrap, guys. Let's just wrap. You yes, in the back. You, you in the um, back. Professor, please call me Chris. Call again. me Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll see where it goes because of course we know where the destiny of a lot of these characters are. So that hinders some of the writing. And then there is the weird behind the scenes thing where you go like, is this a cobbled together story mm -hmm. of what was originally intended or not? End of are the we going to see a Kirk? End of the day. Are we going to see, yeah, are we gonna see right, Kirk you know. at some point? Uh, they, they, they crossed the Rubicon on that already. Mm -hmm. If it had just been... Hey, for this season of Discovery, Pike's going to be around. It would be like, okay, that's cool. Doesn't really upset anything. Um, there are no big questions raised. It was just like, oh, this is a thing that we didn't see. We never knew anything about it's Pike. Pike's Rogue One. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. Also, you are also, perfectly I, right. I wonder. But, the, but the second they included Spock, you said, uh-oh, okay, you've this crossed the Rubicon. Do they have something, you know, also, uh, do they have something planned out because obviously it's like oh they just okay Ed, no wait 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 Ed, 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 Ed. how would you feel how would you feel if kirk does show up and he starts boning michael burnham <laughs> i don't see that happening you I, I say that? that i don't see that you happening. say that but the stunts that they've pulled on this show so far tells me they it's would possible. they would not be above it again uh, 
they have some. I believe that through. Burnham, and I mean, I don't mean there make is it, some. There make is it some a, make it a casual thing. Make it even make it a thing where it's like she visits Earth. She goes out <laughs> partying one night. She wakes up the next morning, and you know, it's like you know, Saru's like, like you've got to report. You know, report r- report to the transporter room. You got to beam up to Discovery, and she's getting her stuff together. It's like, look, I don't really remember much about last night, and like Kirk's all that like, <laughs> like laid well, out. Well, uh, I don't even have your number. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see it happening uh, because, again, Burnham is, in fact, like what she's supposed to serve as our eyes for our, our perspective through uh, through the rest of the show. Um, Are you saying lot. it's there's okay for her to bone there's the Klingon, a... but not okay for her to bone the captain of the Enterprise? Yeah, but you know what? We didn't know that he was Klingon at the time, right? So let's just let's just get that straight. You know, he was just a he was just a very lovely looking, uh, so miscast that's Mediterranean. Another, that's another man, thing. You know, I think he's miscast. Um, I think there are a lot of miscastings. In I the think show. that uh, according to, according to Wikipedia, like because he's of um, the actor is of um, uh, Middle Eastern yeah, yeah. descent, right? So. And he reads some of his Klingon lines. Oh, his Klingon lines are great, right. actually. I because love when he speaks Klingon lines because he does give it this accent it. that feels authentic in its, like he can speak Arabic. Um, but yeah, that's, for where am I going to the future of the show? I don't know. Ultimately, I will recommend this. Highly recommend it. It is enjoyable. They, 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 it's a great looking show. There's a lot of great action. It is pure Trek. It is not a not Trek show in any sense of the in any sense Star of the word. And the real Trek issues Discovery. with the show are the issues with any show. Its problems are not that it's not Trek enough. Its problems are that Kirk there are miscastings, are not poor writing and show. poor writing and poor conceptions of some things in some areas. But even giving all of that, <laughs> giving saying that those no, no, this is this is worth watching, it's worth being engaged with. And I want to see where it goes for however many seasons that it goes for. So that is our big agree to disagree episode of To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast that covered Alita Battle Angel and Star Trek Discovery. Disagree. Disagree. I I agree to disagree. (laughs) Or I disagree to agree. I agree that you're agreeing to disagree with me. I don't agree with that. I disagree. (laughs) Would you agree that we are disagreeing? I would agree. You know, this is getting kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so until next time. To be continued. To be continued, a fanboy podcast. Live long and prosper. Hey guys, thanks for listening to To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. Our website is www.tobecontinuedafanboypodcast. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.